is halfway over edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Steve Fezzik taking his second week off. It's a lot. It's a lot. But you know what? He's winning. He wins. We'll talk later about our frustration with his excessive vacation time. (laughs) But we got the number one NFL handicapper in all the pregame land last year. And it's hard to imagine, but it was A.J. Hoffman sitting in Fezzik's seat. I'm at the big boy table I don't know what that means. We got Scott Seidenberg. Should A.J. have sleeves? (laughs) <laughs> I could roll them up and cut them off with scissors like Fez does. You'd have to like not eat any carbohydrates like for for maybe five weeks and get that gaunt look that he had yeah, going. Yeah. And then like the muscles are there, but they're not really, you know. They're not functional. an older gentleman, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's impressive they're there, but it, the skin's hanging funny. You know what we're talking about? But you know our rule. When someone misses, there's unli- you can talk about them however you want. Really? You can lie, maybe. Yeah. I mean, who's, who's going to contradict it? No one. We got Mackenzie Rivers locked away in the control room behind glass. Clean shaven, Mackenzie Rivers. Is it? Yeah. See, he's one of those tight. Let me t- let me act like he's not here. Like okay. This is what we can do with Fez later. There's certain people that they're constantly at battle with themselves. Like, who's the, remember Tony Soprano? They said, who's your greatest enemy? And it was like, you are your worst enemy. He was. Am I hearing like a train go by? I think that's the printer. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I thought there was a train tracks running by this. <laughs> like, there's the coal that's going to heat this country this winter. <laughs> but, but anyway, Mackenzie's the type that, you know how like, I don't want to say this is exactly the case, but you know how like 15, 16-year-old girls are constantly dyeing their hair? Like one day they want to dye it purple. The next day they want it to be pink. Next day it's short. Well, and then next day it's not long, but you know what I'm saying. The wig is on the next day because they don't know who they are and they know they don't like the person they are all that much. So they want to keep changing. We had someone who worked here once and you, uh, you guys came to my house for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he had an alarming new look. He showed up at Thanksgiving with an alarming new Which look. And, would... and you said this similar thing. It's Did like, I? yeah, you were like, this is uh, this is outrageous that you would do this. Like <laughs> at Thanksgiving dinner, he's like, how could you show up looking like this is a this is an egregious move. It was like having Thanksgiving dinner with a stranger. It was. <laughs> and and but that one is kind of weird because it's like there's that's the time not to change is when you're me you know, but. Well, maybe if he was going to be that way forever and he was, like, meeting your wife and kids for the first time, didn't they take him for, like, video games? Didn't they win yeah. money from him? Yeah. So, <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, Mackenzie's going through a period, we'll say, that's extended from the time he was 14. It hasn't ended yet. <laughs> that involves a lot of statements. Okay. Oh, I'm going to shave today. I'm not going to shave today. I'm gonna. I, last time I don't. I haven't seen his. Did his hair get cut? His hair's longer again. I, I, well, it's long he, in certain spots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when he cut his hair, like when he cut it all the way down, uh-huh. it was like alarming to it, me. Yeah, yeah. that was person. a big change. Yeah. Do you notice? There's a lot of changes. Yeah. What's changed? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> my hair. Yeah. My beard. It's all I changing. Got, I got three more grays. <laughs> I don't want to talk about gray beards. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Mackenzie, do you have any statement to make on this? It's hot out. It's really, really hot out. I had so to why have your hair grow out? 
Because it's easier to shave than it is to drive over to the to the hair salon. You ever hear of a Floby? <laughs> not. <laughs> Tell me. Enlighten me. <laughs> so, do you have any tattoos? No. See, that's interesting. I would have guessed you did just somewhere. Do you have tattoos? Nope. And you don't either, right? No, I've never have. Yeah, well, it's that's I weird. I'm the only one here who does. That is weird. Now, is that a religious thing? I know it is. Is that nah. part of it? No. Okay. Nope. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's so you're almost strange these days if you don't have tattoos. I mean, like if you're of of that age, people it's, in their twenties. It's for, strange that there's generally five of us who are in here every week, and I'm the only one that has to Like, if you said one out of every five adult grown men. Has yeah. a tattoo like that? That's that would be a shockingly low well, number. When Fez was at twenty something, they didn't have tattoos. That's fair. They, they didn't. <laughs> they 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 had temporary ones that they get like the plants they'd pick in the caves. Yeah, yeah. Um, with you, you went to the service, right? I mean, if you didn't go to the service, I, I who knows, right? I got my first tattoo before I before I was out of high school. How old were you? Sixteen. And your did your dad know? No. So you you were able to get a tattoo without any parental uh, consent? Yeah. My dad had remarried. He had young children. He wasn't really concerned about what I was doing at that point. So I just kind of, I was a free spirit. You were trying to get his attention. Maybe. Yeah. So. And how does that make you feel? <laughs> I've forgotten about it until now, honestly. <laughs> I'm just trying to get into the truth here. That's all. But, but I was trying to get my dad not to pay attention to me. Oh, yeah. It's a whole different thing. But it's probably the same result. It, the uh, In Succession, uh, there's the great, I guess it would have been season three when, when Mo dies. Maybe it was season two. And then um, the oldest son, they're going to the funeral. And um, she's he's always telling stories about what Mo and his dad would be doing. And it's like, his girlfriend is like, what? She's like a poet. Like, it's pretty. Mo was for molester. It was short for molester. The guy was like. <laughs> That's a, what mm. they would call him, yeah. yeah. And um, she and uh, he goes, oh, don't worry. It was another time. Don't worry. It was a, an older time. She looks and goes, what? A time before there were laws? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. All right. What are we doing today? It's a new feature. And I think it's outstanding. And, and uh AJ and Mackenzie and Scott did some work beforehand that's really the foundation of it. I just text it, say, I got an idea. I come here, it's all fleshed out. I like that. Here it is. We're going back and saying, what are the biggest newsy news? What kind of news came out that affected the odds? So I'll give you an example. Um, Rams cut uh, Wagner. Rams cut Ramsey. All right. Those happen somewhat apart, about three weeks. But those two together were a sign of the Rams not really going for it this year, not thinking they can win it. And we've saw the resultant drop in odds that's been pretty drastic. So now what if you look at all the odds changes, what makes them up? It's going to be news and sentiment change. So news is, hey, something fundamentally is different. I got a pair of kings. If, if it's a hold'em, flop comes out, queen high. Now on the turn, it's an ace. That's new information, right? 
that's not sentiment. My, my sentiment changes, but it's being driven by the information. But if it's not news, it's sentiment change. And thus, if we can find a way to quantify how much of these moves are news, we're going to know how much is by people feeling differently other than the news. That's going to be an interesting exercise to say who's the biggest mover. So I'll tell you, if we just look at wind totals that started on March 28th is when they opened. And it goes through the 17th of July, yesterday, taping here on Tuesday, pregame.com offices, Tuesday night. Let's look at the biggest movers. The number one biggest mover was the Ravens. 1.3 games they've gone up during that time. Number two, the Falcons, up. And then we'll just go number three, the Texans, up. AJ's nemesis. Then if we look at who's gone down, the Rams 1.3 games down. Then number 31 in the way we're doing this on the list is the Cardinals. And then number 30, Washington. Really, Washington? Wow, okay. I kind of like the over there all of a sudden. But I like the over when it was higher. So now why did those teams move? If we can quantify it, it's going to be very interesting, I think. In addition, and what we're going to start with is running back talk. Our goal is to figure out the direction the league is moving in before it's common knowledge, before it's conversant with all the talking heads. And if you can know it early, you can take advantage of it. And I think this running back stuff, this isn't early as much, but maybe it is in that how extreme – the distaste for, and I don't think it's distaste for running backs. I think it's an inventory issue. It's a supply and demand, and I think the supply is through the roof. There's a lot of competent backs, and there's very few differentiated elite backs. And usually with the elite, it's driven by their ability to catch passes, and not even catch passes, but run receiver routes and make them interchangeable. Or it's their ability to be the bell cow back that can be on the field all three downs, which well, most teams don't have. But to be on the field all three downs yep. takes the catch in the ball. Yes. Yeah, and blocking as well. Because yeah, yeah. you want to be on the field on third You've down. You've got to be able to be on the field. You've got to be able to block and, and run routes. Most teams employ a third down back for that reason because their sole job is just to block and because they're good route runners. But think about how many teams at this point have like well hold on a second. David David Metcalf, like way back with the Giants. Um, let's think of some of those, like Parcells had those scat back third down guys, which were usually smaller, quicker. Like a Darren Sproles type. Yeah. And th- you're saying they had the ability to block too, even though they were undersized. Mm-hmm. Because, because all they're doing is chipping and, you know, yeah. diving at the guy's legs. I would make the case that's generally true. But looking at the 49ers now, I would make the case if you have the ability to go from your running back position and go f- – out wide and, and run a full route tree, all of a sudden now your blocking doesn't mean as well, much. Well, who are the two highest paid running backs in the NFL? Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara. Why? Because those guys can split out and run wide receiver routes. Also, 49ers are one of the few teams in the league who still employ a fullback. So Christian McCaffrey's ability to block or be back there to block on third down is is lessened because... But are the, is the fullback out there on third down? I would say he's going to be back there. It, it's 
McKenzie could probably answer this better than me about how often the, the Niners are empty on third down. But if they put McCaffrey out into a like on the outside, I would imagine more often than not they've got somebody back there to chip. But here's the thing: is if they put McCaffrey on the outside, he actually now becomes a lot less valuable. It's the interchangeability, right? So and 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 then you add in with. Um, Debo Samuel? Yeah. Or I was thinking Debo was. was Yeah, Debo Samuel. Oh, Debo Samuel. Okay. For some reason, I thought Debo was his last name. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. Debo Samuel, I guess, supposedly. (laughs) He he can do both, but in inverse, right? Yeah. Where where he's a receiver that became a Mm -hmm. running back. So now it's like if you can have them both in the game. They didn't play much together because of injury, right? If I remember, Debo was injured a big chunk of the time after they got McCaffrey, right? Yeah, he came back, I think, week 17, week 18. Yeah, so – and then we saw them play very well against the Cowboys team. Right, and then the, they didn't have a quarterback. So, like, you can make the case we had the one game to see them, and you know there has to be a learning curve, right? So, or you know, trend up. So, I'm thinking as much as I like Seattle at the odds we got, you know, two months ago, you could see that San Fran thing really going gangbusters if you have to defend a running back that becomes a receiver. I mean, imagine one play you could have the same group on the field that allows you to have pace, mm-hmm. where you can run hurry up. Cause and not let the other team, the defense, switch out. Now you run up and you can have two backs in the backfield, and they're and it's McCaffrey and Debo, and then the next play you can be an empty. You know, Cordero Patterson with the Falcons. The reason why the Falcons were one of the most successful rushing teams is because you have a guy like Cordero Patterson who was a wide receiver who basically became a running back. Well, luckily they took the highest running back in in, in and they oh, still have Cordero Patterson. <laughs> All right, that's a good segue into Barkley, and let's get the New New York reaction. That's one of the nice things we can get from Scott Seidenberg from the Big Apple. Where, 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 do you, where were you born? What hospital? Brookdale. All right, and that's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And you lived in Brooklyn how long and then moved to where when? Till uh, sophomore year of high school. And then you went to Jersey? Jersey. Hoboken? No, that was after, that was after college. <laughs> <laughs> Artie Lang? Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Scott Seidenberg. Hoboken is college for 25-year-olds. Okay. It's, you know, you, With no classes. It's like you're still living in the dorms, <laughs> but you got a job in the city, so like you're making money. I you're thought the to... job was at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, so give us the kind of newsy, like you're at the news desk at you know ESPN New York, which you worked for uh, quite a while, right? You were mm-hmm. there. and Or you did the national NBC stuff overnight for quite a while. Alone, just five hours talking. Imagine the topics I'd get into if I was doing that shift. Oh boy, it'd be like Art Bell, but but you know, <laughs> not a sane. <laughs> so give us what happened, the inside scoop a little bit, and what you think, and what the fans think. If we turned on the fan right mm-hmm. now, if we turned on ESPN New York. What's the general fans' perspective? Well, the reason why they're not playing Barkley is because they're paying Kenny Galladay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely a lot of that. Well, they traded for another line, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No, the thing is, is Saquon Barkley is never healthy. Last year, he was the most healthy he had been so two in out his of four Giants years, tenure. Two out of four years, it's fair to say, he was yes. fairly healthy. Yeah. And the Giants offered him a hefty contract. It was worth $14 million per year. Would have made him the For third. How many years? 
It would, they didn't specify how many years because the years was the argument. Okay. Because Barkley wanted more years and more structure, more guaranteed money. All that was reported was that the Giants offered him a deal that would have paid him $14 million this season, making him the third highest paid running back in the NFL, and Barkley turned it down. Okay, but, now let's be clear. The franchise tag— $10 million. —is a lot less. Yes. So you're saying—now, is this what I heard— that he was, he thought the Giants were being disingenuous in the way they were putting this out, and that would like that what you just said, mm-hmm. him turning it down seems foolish, but his camp is saying it really wasn't what it was. What he wanted was about twenty two million in guaranteed money. So one and a half years at the fourteen million. But it, what he was specifying, or what his camp was specifying, is they want this year's franchise tag and next year's franchise tag guaranteed. Which would add up to if you add the ten point something million dollars this year, mm-hmm. maybe eleven million dollars franchise tag next year, or twelve million dollars if it's going to go up, that would be twenty two million dollars. That's what he wanted guaranteed. All right, so they they've already guaranteed ten million. Yes. So the question was on the twenty two, the delta is. I'm going to do this real quick in my head. Twelve. Mm-hmm. All right. So now, oh, so, strong man. So yeah. So now what we're saying here is that their unwillingness to guarantee the twelve. Was the break was the uh, p- point of contention? Yeah, years okay. and guaranteed money. But 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 the twelve. So mm-hmm. now, because if the years don't matter, if it's not guaranteed, correct. So the twelve was the the rub. Mm-hmm. So next year, if they franchise him, it's a twenty percent um, premium, right, for year two. That would be exactly twelve, assuming the cap stayed or that stayed the same. Could go down. It's gone down recently. Mm-hmm. So that's telling you they're not going to franchise him next year unless he does a, something. Because they could have had him for that two years of franchising and multiple years of control at that point. Yes. And I th- and, and from, wow. from my thinking about it, that's what Barkley wanted is to want to ensure that maybe he's not franchise tagged next year, that he has three years, X amount of dollars with the guaranteed of this year and next year's franchise tag value-wise. Yeah, but really, that is like giving that. That is just giving the team an option on year but, three. Exactly, but he wanted next year because what if he gets hurt this year? Yeah, yeah. The Giants wouldn't franchise tag him next year. The Giants probably sure. won't sign him. He wants that guaranteed for next year. But so, the Giants, the trade off was if you think about it, because next year it seems like it would be that twelve. Mm-hmm. Right? Is the trade off was okay? We can have him for uh, control of him to some degree for years after next year right so this year next year and then from there yeah and but we lose the ability to say this is just one year and then we're done and to them the ability to say one year and done was bigger than three years and beyond so really that's just telling you the odds are the better that he doesn't he's not with the giants next year than the odds are that he's with the giants in three years i would agree with that I mean, really, if those numbers are right, mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to. Yep. It's, a, it's a trade-off, right? I, I would agree that most – We and we talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. I believe that most running backs, if you offer them a franchise tag, you're doing it because you don't want to sign them to a second deal. You just want to get one more year of them before you move on. Some, well, some of it's negotiation. Like where you have that threat, like whatever Barkley was willing to accept here, whatever his true number was or true terms were – they were less attractive from his perspective than he would have took if he didn't have the franchise tag held over his head. That is something that makes sure. the um, player 
more inclined to sign a long-term deal because it's not him leaving, but it's him having something that pays a lot of money but isn't appealing long-term. So now here's the fascinating part of the franchise tag and how with running backs, it is – it's it's really I don't want to say unfair, but it, it really is negative for them. If no one wants to sign anyone to a second contract, and the franchise tag is the top five salaries, the average of mm-hmm. who's those top five salaries going to be? That's yeah. what I'm saying. And and this and from a Giants when, perspective, uh, look around at the market right now. Dalvin Cook still hasn't been signed. Ezekiel Elliott is still a free agent as well. Yeah, but Zeke got, got he, the last, well, McCaffrey, yeah, but one of the last of those yeah. second contracts, and Dallas got out of it as quick as they could, right? But so. from there, it's like running backs are out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there and I, I, people don't want to say, oh, they're a dime a dozen or they're replaceable, but the, the fact is is that they are. Well, the Chargers are, so Eckler is what, six or seven million is what he's yeah. making? Yeah. And he, I mean, he is, uh, when it comes to pass catching. He's like one of the backs we talked about that should be very valuable. And Chargers are like, no, no. I mean, they did, what, did they give him some uh, potential um, bonuses he can hit? Yes. So He's also 28 years old. And and the running backs age out earlier than other positions. McKenzie used a good term, age curve. Mm -hmm. And it's... The running back age curve starts and peaks before any other position, and most like. But so, so we're saying they can they can contribute sooner because it's there's not a lot of nuance, right? And you can come into the league as a rookie and 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 contribute right away. Absolutely, we're tight ends. It takes longer. Linemen, it takes long. I mean, you look at some time. That's why taking tight ends high in the draft don't make a ton of sense because by you look at what the Lions did, they took that tight end high. Hawkinson. And now he's with Minnesota, and it's like it's just when he's kind of coming into his own, they had to trade him because they weren't going to resign him. Right. Or you can look at it the other way, that you when you draft him high, you get that fifth year of control, and then you have an opportunity to franchise him, whereas if you draft yeah, him later, you don't three, have that. But remember, that fifth year, or it's not a franchise, but that fifth year, oh, you're saying after. Yeah. That fifth year is expensive now. Sure. So, I mean, it... it, it Actually, I think the fifth-year running back is pretty much at the franchise tag, so it is the same amount. But that's the thing. By the time the running backs get to that year five, they're they're already coming down the peak for the most part. Like it, mm-hmm. they're already at, and if you sign them to a second deal, you know by the end of that deal they're going to be useless, a la Zeke Elliott. I don't know about useless. Well, useless for the money you're paying. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, they're not yeah. going to live out that contract because you're going to sure. release them before it's over. The and and it's my sense it's not that you can't be 27 or 28 and still run at the same speed i think it's cuz even sprinters are running you know like Usain Bolt was just as good at 20 it's the the pounding mm-hmm. if they if they retired and never play and then at 27 decide they're going to play they'd be fine you know I, I guess maybe you'd lose something let's say if they went to sprinting you know for a couple years and then went in the NFL like Willie Galt back in the day. I guess he was a receiver. Marquis Goodwin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. From from uh, the Saints. Uh, he was on the no. That's Marquis Colston. Marquis oh. Goodwin was on the 49ers. He, he was, was on a, the Bills, right? He was on the Bills. He was like an, an Olympian. He was a, a an okay. Ol- so oh, uh, Renardo Nehemiah. 
Now that was, oh, that guy, cool. he was a hurdler, I think. That's a great name. That is a good name. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but they start leaking oil. Running backs start leaking oil as you as you as they take those hits. It's everything slows you down a little bit. It's a little notch in the uh, in the belt that eventually causes it to snap. Think about how quarterback hits out in the open have been mitigated so much, diminished. They still take hits, but not like they used to. Receivers, not like they. But in the trenches, there isn't one long. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. There's not one rule change that's made that less physical. No, they're not going to call you know uh, some helmet to helmet call inside a pile. Like they're it's hit, not going to happen. I mean, the linemen are hitting helmet to helmet mm-hmm. every play. Yep. So, and then you have a running back, sometimes 190 pounds in there. How many of those are you going to carry the ball 270 times and for a couple years and be okay? Let's talk the math for a second. And we'll get back to the Giants. But imagine a situation. This is the almost the inverse of the old four people are guaranteed to be one of the three highest paid coaches. Well, how does that work? <laughs> it's, well, how if no one's getting signed to these contracts, what is the franchise tag going to be? Well, I've got the numbers here for yeah. you. Running backs have the second lowest positional franchise Tinder center behind special teamers or ahead of special teamers. So the running back number for 2023 was 10.1 million Uh for tight ends, Mm 11.3 safeties, 14.5. So with the tight ends, it's a situation where you got these pass receiving tight ends. Yes. They're trying to say, Hey, I'm a, I'm a receiver. The George Kittles of the world who they, and uh, Travis Kelsey's, although Travis Kelsey plays at a discount typically, but those well, no, types he of players play at a discount, he p- pays at the top of the tight end market. It's just, that's a discount for what he, for does. what he does. Yeah. But those guys set, they raised the, the bar of what the receiving tight ends raised a bar of what the average tight end makes or what, or brings up the, the franchise tag. Safeties, corners, corners, O linemen, D tackles, all around in between eighteen and nineteen million. Uh, defensive ends, wide receivers near twenty, linebacker near twenty one, quarterback thirty two. See, linebacker is interesting because if you're counting the rush ends, typically that, that certainly counts that. Yeah, so it's like I bet there's very few, if any, off ball off ball linebackers, the inside linebackers that are ever going to get franchised. That, that are getting French. So, so that's interesting. So in a weird way, but not in a mathematical way, the league is telling us what position groups matter. So during the draft, when you hear, you know, high-value position, not a high-value position. So uh, the Ravens, who can't, if they do it, it's a new trend. So that when they were taking, you know, cornerbacks and, and rush ends and, and all the high-value positions, they were geniuses. But then the Ravens said... And again, as a Steelers fan, it rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> is then the Ravens said, you know, we're going to take a safety and we're going to take a center. So where's the safety and center at on the on that? That it was this uh this uh, safeties are 14.5 uh-huh. and offensive linemen are all the same. They're all counted the same. So 18.2. Well, so that's why you'll never see a center get franchised. Yeah, so but if you look at the center salaries, they're gonna be as low. In fact, I think. Make I've it. got the average salary by position in the league, which the highest paid center in the league is Jason Kelsey, fourteen point two five million. And what's after that? Thirteen point five. Frank Ragnow. The average center in the NFL makes two point three nine million. Yeah. So, but the average running back makes one point seven nine million, which yeah. the the only position that gets paid less on average than running backs, punter. 
Yeah, but I heard someone talking about that today. That's disingenuous in that you only have one punter on the team. you got six running backs. You only have one kicker, and the kicker makes more than the average running back does. But what we're saying is having one makes it easier for your average to be higher. Right, because you have the fifth and sixth string running back. Like if you say who the starting running back is, they get more than the starting kicker. Typically, yeah. So, yeah. That's- but the average running back salary is only higher than than punter. Like there's no other. Every, most every position has multiple players. Yeah, well, I think we all – but bringing in the special teams, again, is disingenuous. Fair. If we want to say that running backs are less valued than cornerbacks, I agree. Tight ends, I agree. Not punters. Okay. <laughs> Generally, I don't think. But really, if you look at this fear, I guess not fear, but novelty of, oh, franchise tag might, might go down, well, we got next year's tag already defined based on the contracts and everything that feed into it. So this year, the running back tag number is exactly – Ten point zero nine one, so ten million and ninety one thousand dollars. Okay, yeah, the, the point one's just yeah. <laughs> or the, the 001. Okay, next year, franchise for running backs number is thirteen point zero five one. Thirteen million fifty one thousand. I thought it was thirteen million point one seven. That's what I see here. Ah, but let's say it's in yeah. between the two. Okay. Um, so it's going up three plus million. Yep. So, and listen, I'm going to poo poo some of this, like the hand wringing. Like, it's so unfair that Barkley is only going to have made, you know, whatever. What's he made? Like, what, what seven million? What, like 35 million? He's made 40 yeah. million in his career. Yeah. Although Saquon Barkley took his entire $10 million Pepsi and Nike endorsement money. So this is on top of the 40. And took it in Bitcoin. And since that point, he has lost half of his money. Now, when did He's you have? Well, hold on. When did you have that stack? Because Bitcoin's gone way up. Bitcoin's still at thirty k. When he signed that contract, it was at sixty. Okay. He's lost half of his money. Pull up the Bitcoin. I want to see because someone says it's doubled. I heard someone say it doubled since a recent time. So, all right. So here's the chart. Um, do the last maybe uh, twelve months. Oh, Mackenzie's got it here too. I wouldn't be surprised. McKenzie's like those supermodels that said they wanted to be paid in euros. Remember that? Like maybe 15 years ago? <laughs> so in November, it was around 16,000. Uh, 16, and is yeah. that a, that's a low? That was a low. Mm-hmm. And Boy, imagine how Barkley felt then. All the $10 million was gone. Currently at uh, 30000 That's almost double. Yeah. So when did Barkley? It was 60000 when he signed that contract. Okay. So this, Okay. So he, he had a $10 million endorsement deal so when it that was he down took to, in Bitcoin. When it was down to 16, he had been at one fourth. He was probably like, he was probably like, forget about the, this year's franchise tag and next year's franchise tag. I need three, four years. Yeesh. <laughs> You've got a four times the price on these mother effing shoes. <laughs> yeah. is what you, all right. But well. may, I can't, maybe that's it, a factor. I'll, I don't know. I'll take it in GameStop stock if you've got it. Maybe it's a factor. <laughs> the guy lost $5 million. Maybe that's a factor. And his greed? That's all. That's all found money on top of the contract. <laughs> I, know. I mean, listen. Well, and that's why I said I think that if there's anybody who's in a position to sit out, it's probably Saquon Barkley because he's so, made. Uh, well, we've seen that party, right? Le'Veon Bell it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. But like, what it, would he gain from it? You said he's in a position to do it. He, well, he would apparently show the the Giants that they need him. Okay. Why did Le'Veon Bell sit out? 
because he thought he was cra- worth more he than was crazy. Well, it, I it, mean, you know, he's he's renounced that at this point. Sure. Le'Veon. But don't you think that every other every guy thinks, well, it didn't work for Le'Veon. I'm not Le'Veon. No, I think the fact we haven't seen it from any other guy. And here's the other factor: the new collective bargaining agreement has onerous penalties if you miss camp, and the team cannot give that money back. It's actually illegal. Now, in theory, I guess you could add it to the contract somehow. Like a bonus. But but that's coming off your cap. So literally, it's something like 50000 a day. I think if you miss all a training camp, it's like a million bucks. It's like real money. I thought that they saw that they they won't lose money until they miss game checks. No, no. That is them missing game checks. These are fines. Oh, fines. Yeah, these are the fines that that are, again, they're, they're... in blood because like you cannot the team can't give that money back, um, so I think it's like uh, fifty thousand a day during like thirty three during mini camp maybe you want to pull it up. Yep. But here's one thing as we're doing that that a lot of the people I've listened to lately have said, well far be it far be it for me to tell anyone what to do with their money or how much money they need. Well. Here's what I have to say to that. When does it all end, huh? How many yachts can you water ski behind? How much is enough? I'm particularly suited to say what the hell are you doing with that money or not. Uh, go ahead, what, what 50K per training camp session missed. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, that's 20 is a mil. A stick. Right. Okay. What I'm saying is this. You can do anything you want with it. You can, you can, uh, you know, you can have uh, exotic. Well, I guess I don't want you having exotic birds or something like you know, like the, or on the endangered list or uh-huh. whatever. Like, you ever see the freshman? I have. Yeah, or uh, uh, Marlon Brando. It's really a movie you don't see on cable. No. Like, but he plays the the Godfather, but in a in in a world in which the Godfather is the biggest movie, and he looks like the Godfather, but he's actually a mafioso, whatever. And Bentley from the Jeffersons. Great theme song. Bentley <laughs> plays the professor at NYU that is teaching like multimedia. And Matthew Broderick is Paris Bueller. Yes, is in the movie. He's a student who starts dating the daughter of the Don. And <laughs> Bentley goes, I mean, there's it's a great scene you can find on YouTube. He goes, The last act of King Lear. And then he says, like, you know, whatever else. And then he said, the late, then the third thing is the Lake Tahoe scene in Godfather 2. Some of the great moments. <laughs> and so he's, like, so in. He's so into, like, the Godfather. And then Brando shows up at the place to pick up, you know, to talk to him. And the guy, oh, it's, it's hilarious. But then at a given point, Brando's in the dorm with, with, you know, Broderick. And at the end, he's walking out. And he looks around this sparse dorm room. And he goes, so this is what college is like. I didn't miss nothing and just walked out. <laughs> Pretty good. It's a great movie. It's probably a borderline great movie. Hmm. Have you seen that, Mackenzie? I haven't. No, the freshman. Yeah. Early '90s. They're probably too young to. Yeah. I, oh, I haven't seen it either. Oh, I've seen Casablanca. I know, but do you think the average 30-year-old has seen Casablanca? I think the average person is very much below average. <laughs> we'll always have Paris. <laughs> uh, so the update on the Barkley thing is because he didn't sign his franchise tender, he can't get fined. So there's no fine oh, because also it's not a holdout. 
because the, they can't He's sign him to a long. But they can't sign him to a long-term deal. They can give him more money for this year, but because the deadline passed, well, when does he have to sign it to play? Oh, to play, you just sign it and play week one. Okay, but he doesn't. As long as if he doesn't sign it, he can't be fined for missing mandatory practices. That includes training camp. But holding out is pointless. Because it's not like he's holding out for a new contract. They can't sign him. They cannot sign him to a long-term deal now. So Until after the season. To me, this is where the billionaires are thinking about strategically. So they're saying, okay, we got to make it draconian fines if people hold out generally if they're under contract. We don't want someone with two years left pulling an NBA thing. That's why they do that. Because they don't want guys trying to get another contract when they st- they're still under a current deal. And the league and the, and the players association says, "Okay, you can have that, but you gotta make sure we are not wearing pads in April." So, like the trade off is somehow like let's have less effort and work from the players. Okay, I'm not sure how smart that. And again, there's a difference between that and injuries that are caused causing brain damage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's a that's a righteous pursuit to make it where these players have family time when they have more family time than any 40-hour-a-week worker ever could dream, you know, that works 50 weeks a year, I, I'm not sure it's about family time, right, is I, my guess in most cases. And if it is, you know, you've had a lot of family time. You're making millions. Come do a job. But no, they wanted that. Okay, fine. The owners don't care about quality of play all that much. They'd rather have more money. But now you're thinking, okay, the franchise tag is what – the players wanted to get rid of so badly, in theory. So it was like a horse trade. Like They wanted to keep that. So what did they do? They said, okay, if the franchise tag isn't happy, he cannot sign the, the tender, and he won't get fined because he's not really officially signed. So, oh, that feels like a win. Well, what does it do? It lets the person vent. It lets the person like act like he's doing something that's rebelling against it. But by making it where you can't sign him to a long-term deal, it can't come to anything. So it's a big masturbatory nothing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you've just labeled it out perfectly. It's a whole bunch. It's it's one guy. He's just like, I'm gonna make a point. Uh-huh. That All right, we hear, we hear you. Yeah, yeah yes. we hear you. There's nothing yes. being said. Yes. And again, it's why the billionaires versus the millionaires. We talk about that sometimes. Well, sometimes it's better to be a billionaire, or at least they have better lawyers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go back to the Giants. What does this say, Scott Seidenberg? I'm RJ Bell. What does this say about Daniel? Where's Daniel Jones 1 to 32 in quarterbacks? In your opinion, top half, mm. of the, not top of ten. The UCL or of the USFL quarterbacks? I'd say he's in, he's in the ten to fifteen range. Wow, he is not maybe more like twelve to fifteen. All right, range. let's let's say twelve to fifteen. Yeah, where's Barkley at with the running backs? Six. Okay, five. So, all right, let's say five. Yeah. So the number five running back, he wants twenty two million mm-hmm. guaranteed. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, thank you. And the twelfth best quarterback got what a hundred? How much was guaranteed in that deal? One hundred and sixty? It wasn't all four years, was it? Let's just say this: the twelve was a rounding error that they were fighting over. Yeah. Right. So eighty-two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, seventy plus twelve equals eighty-two. <laughs> now, obviously, I'm not making some huge statement saying quarterbacks more important than running back. 
But I got to tell you something. This has been a drastic change in the last few years. Think about it. Zeke, when he went as high as he did in the draft, it wasn't crazy. It was like, hey, Jerry Jones likes running back. You know, there was a sense he went a little high. When Barkley went, there was a sense he went a little high. It oh, was, no, there was there was a lot of pushback on Barkley going But in New York, there's going to be pushback no matter yeah, who yeah, they yeah. take, right? I mean— the, but it was Dave Gettleman's uh, a fossil. How do you take a running back second overall? That, that's not the way the NFL is now. But if he would have went eighth, yeah, it would have wouldn't have been a big. So I guess what I'm saying is, even in the last five years, there's been a drastic change. Though this year, we Bijan. had yeah, and one at twelve that is almost, Jameer Gibbs. He's got is the Lions, which is somewhat shocking that two go in the top twelve. So what is that, a swing back? I don't know. I think it's the Lions making a mistake, to be honest. I don't think it's possible there's two running backs better than multiple years in which, like, the Steelers took their running back, um, what was it now, uh, three years ago? Well, I guess this would be Harris's third year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So two, I guess, three drafts ago. Um, That was the only running back in the first round. Yeah. So the idea that two in the top 12, it doesn't feel like a market correction. Like sometimes they go too far, you know, the market goes too far one way. Yeah, and the thought, and I believe this, I thought B. John Robinson was one of the best running back, like one of the three best running backs in the last 20 years Which to come was out. consensus opinion. Well, that he was certainly one of the best of the last 10, let's say. I, I didn't know that a second running back would go in the first. That's the part that surprised me. It was a, shock, it was a yeah. shocker. Um, I think the betting market, if there was odds... Two quarterbacks in the top, or two running backs in the top twelve, it would have been thirty to one. Or yeah, something, is my guess. So, the thing that reinforces to me how recent this this real drastic change has been. So, I was reading some old stuff from Brian Burke, who had a blog that was very popular. It was kind of on the cutting edge of uh, NFL analytics. In the I've never said odds before, but okay, in the you know, mid to late odds. And uh, but then in in 15, I think it was, he went to ESPN and, you know, big contract. He he kind of arrived then. And um, I think he was in the Air Force. He was a fighter pilot, I think. But maybe not. You want to check that, Mackenzie? His Twitter says Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, but he was he was analyzing why are offenses more predictive than defenses. Meaning if you had a number five offense last year, what you expect from them the next year is much closer to five than if you had the fifth best defense. Next year, whatever chance that you might have the same level D, it's a lot less year to year. It's less sticky. There's more noise. Well, that's in interesting. I would think it would be the opposite. Why, why do you think so? Because I think, um, in, just in my opinion, just you would have – like a defensive unit's more likely to stay together as opposed to offensive players that are kind of cycled through year after year. Yeah, but do in a way his rationale to why it's it is offense that's stickier is that it's such a big percentage of the results are the quarterback, mm-hmm. and because the quarterback usually stay good quarterbacks stay, yeah. then it's consistent. But the funny thing was he would say. In most cases, the quarterback. In many cases, though, the running back. So this was like in maybe 2010 or 11. So literally, you know, 10 years ago, the conversation was maybe offense is stickier because running back is so important. Think of Adrian Peterson right, in, mm-hmm. in that era. 
and that that him staying on the Vikings is going to make it where the Vikings are just a certain baseline of good. And it, could you imagine someone saying that now? Like, like, like the reason offense is stickier is because of the running backs are so vital and so consistent. I mean, you just look at Minnesota. You like they just cut Dalvin Cook, who was a year ago considered one of the five best running backs in the league, and the market yawned. So, so it, well, some of that's age. Some of that is the devaluing. And again, I think it's important to remember. So, as we said, this has been a trend for a while. Running backs don't matter. Being, I guess, the meme. Is and now that's become almost ironic in that it's 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 over it's it's overstated. It's not that running backs don't matter. It's that running backs are not differentiated. Mm-hmm. Right? You're gonna pay. I mean, imagine if what are you gonna pay someone if you can walk outside and get five people to do a job at the same level? How much is that job worth? Less than a heart surgeon, let's say that you walk out. Odds yeah. are no one's gonna do that job. Well, quarterback play, we see. The difference between the fifth best quarterback, I mean, and, we, yeah, and what Scott says is the average quarterback, Daniel Jones. There's a pretty big gap. Yeah, well, he's saying Daniel Jones is maybe in the top third or better at number ten, but twelve to fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> so, to me, it's it's not that running backs don't matter. It's running backs are not differentiated. They they're, they're really there's a lot of them out there. A lot of fifth rounders, a lot of undrafted free agents that they jump in and play pretty well. And you know what? Then they disappear, right? Because maybe they get banged up just a little bit. And now the next guy's better, right? And if you really are a man of the people, if you are a populist that roots always for the players, well, wouldn't it be better for more players to have one or two years in the league than have half as many players have four years in the league? Like, if you're, again, a populist, if you care about the downtrodden, you want everyone to have a chance, and let's just say we say 64 backs is the top, you know, top two depth chart, right? 32 times two. Would you rather 64 guys over four years take those spots, or would you rather 256 of those guys do? Well, Mm -hmm. in theory, the 256 is going to give more know, guys an opportunity. four times as many people to yep. make enough money to maybe start a car dealership or maybe you know whatever their dream is or or buy, buy a, a house. house. Yeah. yeah. To me that seems more important than someone making 800, you know, or whatever the numbers are, like 2.1 million versus 700,000 times 3 or whatever, right? I mean, I, and I don't think that's the way the league's doing it because of that, but it does seem weird that we're lamenting it, but we're saying we're lamenting that low-level millionaires aren't becoming eight-figure millionaires. What I'm more worried, I would be more worried, and I am actually. I want people to have a. To me, if you're given a chance and you screw it up, it's you. And I'm not saying we don't feel bad for those people, but they had their chance. Yeah. To me, it's when someone's a kid and things are so locked against them that they can't ever overcome that, and they have zero chances. I don't like that. So give, you know, it's not, I don't think the country can afford to give everyone a chance like that. But the NFL having running backs only last year or two in a way creates that, it seems. It makes sense. Any thoughts? No, I I completely agree. And I think it's interesting when you look at, um, McKenzie talked about like usage rate Mm -hmm. of running backs. And there really hasn't been a change 
Well, if anything, it's gone down, I think. Because now there's usually you have two backs instead of one yeah. to carry the, the load. But the, the carries, like rushing attempts per team, hasn't changed over year after year. From what period of time? McKen- so, McKenzie, you got some numbers up there. What do you give us the highlights? Yeah, so 27.3 rushing attempts per team per game last year. That was the most since 2011. It's the exact same amount that we saw in 1999. Okay. Now, but here's the question How many plays are being run? The pace is a lot faster. Right? So if we look at passing plays, in theory, if it's the exact same as 99, the passing plays should be the same. I bet they're way up. Let's see. 33 passing attempts per game last year. That was a 10-year low uh, since 2010. And in 1999, it was 33.8. So okay. actually a half so, throw so less. Pa- so the pace, that surprises me. So the pace of the game hasn't changed. We're having is Okay. So now... Obviously, last year was, mm-hmm. okay, Patriots, they were ahead of the curve, but they didn't do anything with it. They had the two tight ends a couple of free agencies ago. It's like, hey, let's run the ball. We see Atlanta doing it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and quarterback I, rushes are increased uh-huh. tremendously as well. Which would be in these numbers. Yes. Now. So, if anything, oh, that's a good point. Running backs are a, a less lesser percentage of the overall carries. But really, I think we're kind of in the margins here. What we know is that receiving the ball, being a receiver, not not just the rare people that can be a weapon, as they say, and go out wide, mm-hmm. but I'm saying just catch a screen pass and get eight yards instead of six yards. Those differences are vital. And, um, you know, that brings up an interesting point. If we're talking workload, how many catches are the receive, you know running backs getting today versus 99? But really, what's the ultimate point? Like looking at these numbers, what were you trying to get to? That the that the 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 style of the game hasn't changed. They're still running. They're still running the ball. So the, the devaluation of running backs, maybe it's like you were saying, dividing the workload amongst a certain amount of players. Mm-hmm. But the the load is the same. Like the, it's not like the league is going away from running the football. Mm-hmm. Why did we pick ninety nine, Mackenzie? It just happened to be twenty seven point three rushing attempts. Okay, because it was lined up. Okay, yeah. okay, that makes sense. I mean, but the sentiment out there that oh, it's a passing league now. So, right? Do me a favor. Look from ninety on. What was the high? I'm just trying to get a feel. When did this change? Right? Because I know running backs, and maybe it, it, maybe what it is too is there's. Well, I was gonna say there's no teams that's doing it like Adrian Peterson, but there but there is. Right? There's Henry. also more teams that yeah. have running quarterbacks now than probably. Yeah, yeah, maybe anytime. Sure. So, and that, that's that. counted in rush attempts. Yeah, I don't know. Otto Graham used to he used to bring it to him in the eighties. Thirty three rushing attempts per game was the high, and ninety nine was how much? Twenty seven point three. Okay, all right. So, um, but remember, you got Kyle Shanahan, who you know, known as an, a modern innovator, but he runs the ball. So, I don't know. I, I do think that here's what I know for sure: the rule of was it three seventy or two seventy? Two, uh, let me look that up. I think it's 370, actually. So I think it was Football Outsiders came up with, hey, if a guy runs the ball this much, mm-hmm. he never recovers. And and they show that, that and I think it was 370 touch. Uh, so what is it? 370 carries. Um, so, Mackenzie, why don't you take a minute and, and instead of uh, putting it on screen, just pull out what's important and you can give it to us when you're ready. But um, the... Derrick Henry's been 
Like he's the exception to the rule. I, I mean, like an exception, like we yes. maybe have never seen. I mean, he 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 hurt his foot, and <laughs> and you think that's going to stop him? And last year, I mean, it's like. And remember, this is a guy out of Alabama for the first like two or three years wasn't doing very much. Mm-hmm. This is one of the more interesting careers for a running back I've ever seen. Last year, only three running backs carried the ball over 300 times. It was Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and Derrick Henry. Saquon Barkley, 295. Now, Jacobs, they were so uncertain about him with the Raiders. They didn't pick up his 50-year option that he played in the Hall of Fame game. And carried the ball like 20 <laughs> times in that. Talk about putting carries on them. They didn't know what they had, right? They really wanted to win. And <laughs> and and now, you know, he's lamenting. He had a monster year last year. To me, one of the things that should change is if you do not put if you do not pick up a fifth year option, you shouldn't be able to use the franchise tag on a player. Oh, well, just go listen, I'm gonna see Goodell on Tuesday. I'll just tell him you said so. I mean, what the, what are you? Th- I mean, what I'm saying is like, like, what do you mean? So, like, for who, for whose perspective are you talking from? So, well, fairnesses for fairness' sake. Oh, okay. So, you just meant so you, it's we, a fairy tale. We talk. Well, <laughs> then never mind. I won't even talk about. It. No, I, like, dude, I want to hear, but I, let's see where it's coming from. Is what I'm saying. You're Saquon saying, Barkley, by the time he gets to his franchise tag year, has made forty million dollars. Yeah, a lot of money. Josh Jacobs has made eleven million dollars. Mm-hmm. They were both first round picks. What's the big difference? Oh, that fifth year option, like. Uh, that, but here's the thing: this contract is going to be his fifth-year option, which is effectively the fifth-year option number. So he's, a, I mean, he's a, he wasn't drafted in the same draft, right? He's a, he was a draft different, dra- different draft. So yeah. in theory, he'll be at the differences too. Though when you're slotted like second, was he? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. different. But when you look at the amount of money Saquon's making, made on his franchise tag, so so Jake, so wait a minute, so this is Jacob's fourth year coming up then. This this is his fifth year coming up, but it's not no okay. But he's not franchise. he's not playing on his fifth year option next year because they didn't pick it up. Okay, and Saquon though is, he played he a fifth year. His fifth year. Okay, so Saquon's last year's salary and Jacob's salary this year, both of their fifth years will be almost identical, just because of the way things fell this year. Yeah. So really, the only difference after five years for both of them will be the difference slotted number two versus as the second round choice or second pick in the draft versus whatever. Right, Jacobs was in the twenties, I think. He was twenty right? fourth, I think. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he'll make ten million this year. So we the eighteen million, you know, is is not bad. Yeah. I mean, I guess the question is, you can't. I don't think you can just make rules for running backs. So now the question becomes, how, like, what effects would there be? Like, what changes should be made? Well, the thought originally, when the franchise tag was first invented, it was made to keep quarterbacks from leaving early. Like it was, like if anything, the rule should be the the rule should only apply to quarterbacks. Okay. Which, but this is a collectively bargained agreement. It is. It's horse trading. They got their days off. I I think the reason you see so many running the tag used on so many running backs is because it's a way to have another year of cheap control. Because the franchise tag on running backs is cheap, mm-hmm. cheap control of a guy who you don't plan on signing long term. Okay, but here's the question: When you have someone like Cook, right, is the example you said. Here's someone who is in the open market. What do you think he wants? Meaning, I'm guessing if he was offered exactly the deal that the franchise tag would be, not that he would sign that because he's not with the team he was with, you know, but 
if he was offered that deal, I'm guessing he'd take it. I think he'd have to. Like, otherwise, he wouldn't have been sitting around all this time. So my point is, this isn't about the franchise tag. It's about the marketplace saying running backs. And a franchise tag is affecting the market. But in general, running backs are not valued because there's so many um, competent ones. They're not differentiated. Right? By the way, the favorite, current favorite to sign Dalvin Cook, plus 150. Miami. New England Patriots. So that's moved, huh? That's so as Miami of today. Ooh. Well, listen, I got a lot of money on New England. I got a lot of money on Miami. So let's keep it in the family. <laughs> yeah, I actually think New England needs it more. The Dolphins are plus 200. Jets are plus 400. No Jets. No, I'm anti-Jets. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you agree? I mean, I guess what I'm saying is you can change this rule. You can change that rule. But the market looks and says, hey, the guy behind you is nearly as good. Yeah. I think Zeke Elliott really opened some – because Zeke Elliott, there was a big – should we pay him the second contract? Should we not? The Cowboys paid him a second contract. First of all, they were always going to pay him. It was they paid him an exorbitant amount. Yes. But that's what he was demanding. That's what he was sitting exactly. out to get. I know. Three years into the six-year, $90 million deal that they signed, he's the backup running back to Tony Pollard, who now is up for is up for a franchise or is going to be playing on a well, franchise tag. He was never the backup, but, but he should have been. Well, but but he, I mean, effectively he wasn't, right? Like last year on Dallas, he certainly had less carries than Zeke per game. Uh, I'd be shocked if he didn't. I mean, look it up. I mean, that was always the question with Pollard: is if you give him a man-sized carries, is he going to be able to hold up? Mm-hmm. You know, because he was always a change of pace. What was the number? Uh. 15 games, 231 carries for Zeke. 16 games, 193 for yeah, Pollard. Yeah, yeah. And that's closer than it was. But it was 5.2 yards per carry, 3.8 yards per He should have been the backup, like you said. So, so, but staying on – I mean, so how does that fit into the, the general narrative is Zeke was a ba- – if anything, it's making the case of the owners that we don't want to give these big numbers. That's contract. what I'm saying, yeah. it's like, so, But you're saying we should make rules. No, I'm saying that the, the what what happened to the Cowboys is a cautionary what's tip. setting the market mm-hmm. to say we're not doing this anymore. But you somehow want the you want to make a rule that it has to be fair. I just – I mean, I think if you're going – like, if you want to keep a guy on a franchise tag – why didn't you want to pick up his fifth-year option? Like, you've got that to— to well, Because you had your choices. Because if you want to hold him for three additional years after his fourth year, in theory it's fifth-year option, franchise tag, franchise tag. All, I guess Kirk Cousins, but wasn't a fifth-year option with him uh, in, in Washington. But in general now, remember, these franchise tags— you can't manipulate them cap wise at all. So they have, I mean, like when when uh, Dak was holding out and he was on the franchise tag and then he signed, it, I don't know if he signed it or not, but he signed the extension. Um, a big chunk of that was they needed to be able to manipulate that money down the road for salary cap stuff. The one year deals that are franchise tags, you can't do that. I think your, your point is valid because. Let's think about these three guys that are out. Well, let's think about the two guys, J- Jacobs and uh, the two who haven't signed their franchise mm-hmm. tender, Jacobs and Saquon. If they were free agents today, would anyone pay them three years, $15 million a year? I don't think they would. Well, when we broke down Saquon, it seems like that third year was something that the Giants didn't value. Mm-hmm. So it is interesting that you come out, you're 22, let's say, your first year. So 22, 23, 24, 25. So fifth year, you're 26. 
if you come out normal, some people a little older, 27, 28. So if you do 50-year option, franchise, franchise, in order to do something beyond that, you got to want them at age 29 enough to, to, to and, at, and at that point, there's you're a 22-year-old coming you know, in. At a, often yeah. before that. Yeah. So, so in a weird way, I think the whole idea of a second contract is going to be a compromise kind of thing. If you get it anyway, I think that if you're running back and you get first-round pick, first-round money, 50-year option, franchise, franchise, you got to consider that the full Monty. Yep. And just be happy. And you know what? There's a lot of money in that. Right? Not quarterback money. No. But Wait. there's still a good amount of money. Yeah. And you get injured a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I was just looking at the production. You can sleep on a bed of money. That's yeah. why they, but that's why they're fighting for more money while they're Well, how are they fighting pro- for more money? Well, I mean, go to yeah, I don't know if you've been on Twitter the last three days. That's all That's every, their that's where the fight's happening on Twitter? That's what every running back is talking about, how the position's been devalued what's, unfairly. And what's, and what's oh, the there's owner? gonna be a running back union. And what's, <laughs> and what's the owner saying? Clearly, the owners are talking with their wallets. Exactly. And, yeah. so there is no conversation, really. They're, they're whining. Yeah. Right? And you know what? I'm not sure. Yeah. Listen, it's easy to dismiss millionaires complaining. I think it goes beyond that. I don't see how it's anything except the market in its most beautiful. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's cruelest, but you know what? The market... Listen, for every person that gets a, you know, uh, something that they don't deserve, there's someone that didn't get it, right? It's a zero-sum game. And that's why this whole thing about they want everyone to make the money, it's like it's crazy. When a, when a guy gets big, like when Zeke got that big money, more than he should have maybe, there were other Cowboys that didn't get that money, right? When they had to, ch- when they had to trade their wide receiver that they got from the Raiders. Uh, who are we talking about? No, no, Amari Cooper. Yeah, Cooper. Is they Cooper had to go effectively? I mean, I'm not saying it's one to one, but cause of Zeke. So the amount of money that's going to be spent, there's a minimum that has to be spent over a series of years. These teams have to spend. Now there's some range of discre- discretionary spending. <coughs> Mackenzie, what is that pocket where you've reached the minimum versus the max? I'll get that. Because this is it. Because you can make the case some ownership groups, like some ownership groups, never go to the minimum. Like they're always gonna like the Saints are always maxing it out. You could make the case that if you the minimum, that that maybe hey Zeke made some more money and it came from that. But Jerry Jones is at the max every year anyway. You know he's frugal to some degree, but he's still not. He's not having discretionary money that he has to spend and say no. So teams must spend at least 89% of their cap over a four-year period. All right. On average, over any a floating four. So in theory, there's like 11% a year that's discretionary. Right. The ones that are maxing it out are spending it, and the ones that aren't, aren't. Okay. And the cap this year is how much? Two, 24. 24. So we're talking about 23 million, 24 million of discretionary. Okay. That's interesting. But in general, there's a zero-sum game element to it, which means if he gets it, he doesn't. So should running backs get it or should wide receivers? right? Because that's that's been the evolution, right? Receivers have gone way up, mm-hmm. running backs down. But, I, but it just feels like the idea that the running backs are the least valued position in the NFL mm-hmm. outside of special teamers, well, their importance to the game doesn't feel commensurate with that. But how many times has a team that you who you root for the Bills, right? Yeah. Who's the who's the running back? 
I mean, they cycle through them every other year. So the Bills last year rushed for 2,232 yards. Mm -hmm. And Josh Allen was the 34th ranked rusher in the league with 762 yards. Buffalo's next highest rusher was 45th in the league with 500 yards. 507, James Cook. What about Devin Singletary? Devin Singletary had more than that Oh, Devin Singletary, 819, yeah. Yeah. So what we're saying is these are almost fa- – I mean, I can anyone if, – if Singletary walked in without his jersey on. I wouldn't know. So, I mean, that that's a little disingenuous because, I mean, how many NFL players would you know, you know? Only – I know Patrick Mahomes if he talked. I would. <laughs> Say something. I'd know Zeke Elliott if he walked in. Yeah? yeah? Okay. He'd walk in with his half shirt. Like he'd, you know. <laughs> I don't think he still wears it. I think that's – yeah, so like those old pair of jeans that the girl, you know, it's like, no. They well, don't wear those Zeke anymore. Elliott didn't think Fez was still cutting the sleeves off his shirt, but he is. So, <laughs> Well, that's another era kind of thing. It's a, all right, so we're not going to solve this here, but I do think in general the league, there used to be a lot of dumb, not dumb-dumbs, but those who were behind the curve on the scholarship, the, the best practices. Now it doesn't seem like anyone, like who's the team that's going to spend big money on a running back? I don't know. It's not Jerry Jones anymore, right? So who is it? The Browns did, but it's interesting. You look at Chubb, maybe the, I would say almost certainly the best pure runner in the game right now. If the only thing a running back did was run, Chubb's number one, in my opinion. I think most people agree with that. But he's paid third or fourth which was a shock the Browns even paid a running back, a very analytically driven team, but he was so good. But that shows you how important receiver is. And McCaffrey is someone that the, the 49ers, a very smart team, made a huge commitment to procure, forget cutting him. They said that big jumbo we'll contract. We'll take that contract on. It will give you a lot of picks to get that contract. Yeah. Why? Because he can catch. So this is a passing league. It feels to me, and like when I worked offshore on an oil rig, the guys who do the most dangerous jobs. You got to get that drop. Just like <laughs> prefacing whatever he says, I, wa- I, I worked offshore on an oil rig. Your dad was a coal miner. Exactly. So the guys who do the most dangerous job usually get a premium for doing that job. Mm-hmm. So why is running back the mo- Danger isn't not being a professional level athlete. Danger is... Uh, you know, CTEs, danger is Jim Otto, the center for the Raiders that can't, couldn't walk. You know, uh, like we just talked about. Earl the, Campbell obviously fell into that category. The reason running back careers into. are shorter because they are in a they're in these violent piles that quarterbacks and wide receivers yeah, generally but tennis are. Pl- women tennis players, other than Serena Williams, are, are extremely short career. Like for whatever reason, when they reach 27 or 28, they started dropping off. That's true. But so I think in general, these running backs are getting hurt. I don't think they're being debilitated. Um, the ones that don't now, again, if you have a 15 year, you know, like Frank Gore, who uh, I mean, I hope he doesn't hurt, you know, have trouble, but who knows, right? But in, if anything, cycling through these running backs means you probably aren't going to have maybe those accumulate, like it accumulates enough injury that it takes 5% from your talent. And now you're all of a sudden right back in the pack, but I'm not sure it leads, you know. I would say a running back that plays three years has less of a chance of long-term problems than any player except a punter or a kicker that plays for 12 years. I'd agree with that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the league's doing them a favor. Maybe. I, I just, I mean, here's the thing. Anyone can buy a team and start paying running backs like crazy. 
I just don't think that anyone looks at that as a smart. I mean, in a weird way, I think what I hate is if the country tries to legislate what they think is the right solution, right? And to me, the market is is letting it dictate. And you know what? Let's say some front office was racist, right? No blacks need apply here, right, is their unspoken motto. Well, if we make the assumption, which most thinking people would— that there's going to be some percentage of minority candidates that are elite at their job, then you're saying, okay, take 13 14%, if we're talking African-Americans only, of the potential hiring pool and saying exclude them for no reason. Well, teams like that usually are going to do poorly. So yeah. there's, a, there's a punishment for that. Well, who's being punished for not paying running backs out the ass? It doesn't seem like no one is. No. It doesn't seem like anyone is being punished. I think, I mean, you said something and it kind of stood out to me. It's collectively bargained. If this is really important to the players, then they need to find a way to get this franchise tag out of collective bargaining. And I don't, when next time it comes up, if it's that important, they'll do something to fix it. Well, but there's a, con- there's a concept called the tyranny of the majority, is the majority can be tyrannical in that. They can say, "Hey, we are a majority. You're, you know, you're less than that, and thus we're going to vote for what's good for us and not what's good for you." But I think so. Let's say that's happening with running backs. It generally rules that would help them would hurt the other players. There's more non-running backs than running backs. But, but my point is, I don't know if that's the case here, because my point is, it really is about the next guy up is almost as good, if not as good. So why not pay him less? That is at the heart of capitalism. So I'm not like literally what we're saying is the running backs are mad because they can't make big money until they've been in the league for four years or maybe even five. Well, the fifth year option is big money. So let's say for four years they can't make big money. And after four years, they're not good enough to make big money. That seems fair. Except what you could get at is the whole structure of rookie contracts. That they're taking up, because here's the thing you got to remember, and we'll close it with this. There was a time that Bill Parcells was with Miami. I don't know if you remember that. He was like GM. And Mackenzie, maybe you can look this up. They took, I think, Tackle uh, Long, I think it was. Jake Long. Yeah. There was real talk at the time. Might have been 2000, I'm guessing 2006 or Um, of Bill Parcells not making the first pick. Like he was gonna like be there and let, let the second like the fifteen minutes is up, let the second pick go up and pick. Two thousand eight NFL draft. Okay, and then the theory was he might have started picking at six or seven, because he literally thought the amount you had to pay the number one pick because we know it was it was way over. off. Yeah. yeah, like Jamarcus Russell got paid yeah. a ridiculous amount of money because he was the number one pick. The the guy who was the quarterback that he he had a bunch of injuries. I think he played at Oklahoma, Minnesota. Tra- Sam, Sam Bradford. Bradford. Bradford was the poster child. He changed. Yeah. He they, they changed the rule after him. Yep. So in a weird way, this is more about the money allotted to the rookies because the theory is, hey, that's you doing your time. Then you really get paid. But what we're seeing, maybe that's what they need to do. Maybe they need. The next time, but again, this agreement's like a 10 year. I mean, I think it's yeah. like 10 more years. We won't, I, I don't think I'll be talking. I don't know. I don't think I'll be talking about mm. it. Is, oh, maybe a little part, you know, like Bill O'Reilly and his, 
<laughs> which is very sad. Oh. <laughs> I mean, he he had well, I don't know. I don't want to talk about medical issues, but there had to be something because it, it's uh, it's. I mean, again, it comes up on my YouTube like crazy for some reason in the feed. Um, and I don't watch. I I used to watch maybe Tuck, Tucker's monologue twice a week on YouTube, and that's that's it. I've never watched anything else on Fox News for for years and years, and. Even back before, I would watch O'Reilly occasionally, like if he had a good interview. But somehow it feeds me that like crazy. I wonder why that is. I think it'd be feeding like, you know, well, thank God Pornhub doesn't have a suggested. (laughs) (laughs) That would be embarrassing. I still remember remember there was a uh, magazine, I think it's still out, called Details, which was like a GQ but younger. And details had a, an article once that said, my TiVo, you know, back in the day, my TiVo thinks I'm gay. Like, like apparently, like, from the, you know, the metrosexual, whatever, is watching these shows and they're saying, okay, you got to want to watch, like, Queer as Folk or yeah. Yell Word because, because... Real Housewives, yeah. you're into it. Is that a gay show? I, I think it's a show that a lot of gay men enjoy. Is that true? Yeah. How do you know that? Uh, I don't even know that. I think he's basing this off Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen told me. It's Andy Cohen's show. I'm so straight, I don't even know that. (laughs) Who the fuck is Andy Cohen? (laughs) Isn't he the guy? Oh, no, no. He's Howard's top gay. That's Andy Dick. Andy Dick, yeah. That's different. Way different. He's wild. Oh, yeah. Moving on. Shifting gears. That was a rare case where we kept going. Well, I, we we kept and it actually got better. But you got one more thing. Yeah, I want to just talk, give you the list of lifetime earnings for running backs. So Adrian Peterson's the only hundred million dollar running back. Over the course of his fifteen years in the league, he made over a hundred million dollars. I don't think we're ever going to see a hundred million dollar running back no. ever again. Well, maybe when the average salary yeah. is forty million. Ezekiel Elliott's the second highest all time earning running back at seventy million dollars. Thank you, Jerry Jones. Yeah, and then the list is like Edron James, Frank Gore, Reggie Bush, Lashawn McCoy, Emmett Smith made sixty one million in his fifteen years. Look at that. Edron Emmett Smith played fifteen years, made sixty one million. Adrian Peterson fifteen years made one hundred and three million. But Peterson's. <laughs> Like you said, he's been retired for yeah. years, and and he had played a fifteen year career. I think w- these things have evolved so much and so quickly that even with Peterson, there was like mo- three years he was in in a weird mm-hmm. way. But in general, I don't think there'll be many times I don't pick a team this NFL season because the running backs are a deficiency. I'd agree, unless and this happened to Pittsburgh about six seven years ago. They had like three of them get hurt all at once, and they had to bring in a guy that didn't even know the playbook. Then the quarterback or the running backs are differentiated if you know the playbook. So we said at the beginning we were going to talk about what have been the newsy things, what has fundamentally changed since the Super Bowl that affects the odds, because that plus the change in sentiment, what people feel about the teams other than the news, is what makes up all the line changes. And it'll be interesting to see what percentage of these changes are about sentiment, what percentage is about information, about the news, something changing, the ace on the turn. Are you implying that sentiment is less important? No. Oh. It's 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 more easy, though, to buck. Okay. It's something that uh, could be correct and might not be correct. Now, we got some sentiment built into the news. We, we might say, hey, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a worse quarterback than 
um, Wilson. Now, I don't think there's many people with that sentiment. <laughs> no. That feels more factual, even at an advanced age. I think Tom Brady in three years will be better. Than Zach Wilson than Zach today? Wilson. Yeah, you're right. Now, in bed, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. First up, we're going to do. <laughs> Who's banged older ladies? Zach Wilson. <laughs> so. <laughs> How old is she? Uh, she's got to be 40. 40? Yeah. yeah, 41. Boy, that's a real profound. She's got to be what? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> How old Zach Wilson's maybe, mom's friend? Giselle's 42. Okay. So we're to the meat of this now, which is, as we said, what's been driving these lines, line moves and what AJ and Scott McKenzie did here. And they all contributed wonderfully as far as I can see. We'll see if there's any problems. I'll tell you. I promise. Let's talk about the biggest moves, what effect we thought they had, and we'll look at the odds and see if we're right. First one dated February 23rd. Rams cut Bobby Wagner. Remember, came from Seattle. It was a big signing, big money signing for an off-ball linebacker. We're going to roll this in with the one on March 15th, the odds of March Ramsey traded to Miami. That, to me, was the timber moment of this team knows they're not – the Rams know they're not competing for a Super Bowl. They're not probably competing for the playoffs. Thus, why bet them to win their division when they had better odds than Seattle early on with our wonderful Seahawks bet? By the way, if you look at teams sorted by total value spent in free agency – Team number 31, notorious for not spending money, Green Bay, spent $15 million. The Rams, number 32, spent about half that, $8 million. The Raiders spent, or actually looking at this, um, the Denver Broncos spent a quarter of a billion. <laughs> so $251 million in free agency versus $7.9. Rams weren't putting up a fight. This was a reset year. Well, let's look at the odds, and we can get some thoughts. Um, if you look at – now, what we're going to do here is talk about Super Bowl odds up until March 28th. Then we had the first win totals, and we think that's a more nuanced and consistent number. But if we look at just Super Bowl odds, the Rams were 37-1 to post-Super Bowl. That wasn't bad at all. They were 58-1 to by March 28th. So a huge drop, 37 to 1 to 58 to 1. This team was scaling down. They were almost like after a war, they're decommissioning yep. the ships. By the way, the Rams now are 73 to 1. So it's dropped and dropped and dropped. Any thoughts on the Rams and in general our process here? I mean, I think generally you hit it on the head. There was a, a a point where it became clear that the Rams knew and which surprised me because Sean McVay returning made me think I that agree. they were planning on competing. Well, but, I give it credit. He's willing to do a rebuild and I respect that. But there's certainly been indicators that they don't plan on being competitive this season. I believe the following. I believe the best coaches show it when the, the talent is mediocre. I would make the case Belichick winning as many games as he has the last three years with the quarterbacks he's had is a sign of an elite coach. Not, you know, winning 12 games, you know, not winning 12 games with Tom Brady. Now, obviously, they did more than win 12 games, and thus Belichick was elite there, too. I think McVay's excited. They had a lot of draft choices. 
A lot of um, if you're an undrafted free agent, where do you want to go? The Rams, right? You're in LA. You um, the competition isn't going to be so much. Mm-hmm. Got a Hall of Fame quarterback. Got a Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, probably eventually. So I think the Rams are going to be better than people think. I think McVay being there means they're going to keep trying. Remember, they tried with Baker Mayfield coming in with one day's notice, right? On that Thursday game, I think they're going to be feisty. Rams are going to be feisty. See, I, I kind of disagree. I, I think that next year they'll start to be good again. But the fact that, like, they dis- – they... I didn't say good. I said feisty. You're right. The fact that they didn't pick in the first round at all this year, they let it go all the – like, there's just – they that didn't really have a way to build their team. Well, again, I believe. I mean, what is it? Half the players in the NFL were undrafted. Mm-hmm. Um, Rams have signed tw- a dozen of their draft picks already. There's two left to go, fourteen in total. And, and like I, you said, the the, the heart they didn't draft a first round pick, and they were dead last on the list of free agent spending. You said, uh huh. But remember, undrafted free agents are sure. not, is not going to be anything that you know again maybe that makes up a big part of it i don't even know if the undrafted free agents is on that list or not i guess it would be it's a free it have to be yeah well yeah so i think that but you guys voted the rams if i remember correctly to be under. in the bottom three but yeah under in a way mm-hmm. of saying like you thought there was a chance to be a good chance to be in the bottom three yeah i think they have a probably a better an equal chance if not better to be the seventh playoff team i think i think they could be eight and again, actually no rams were one of our up uh, higher teams, no. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, they were. Yeah, and you made you you uh, at the we time had, you we have we Cardinals were... bottom, Bucks bottom. Yeah, we Falcons, Steelers, Rams, Giants up. Well, whatever you did with the Rams, it was goofy in my opinion because it you could make the case both ways. But yeah, it was like why that's the one. If it was one pass in the league, it might have been like meaning if people hadn't listened to that a show from what a month ago now or maybe a little bit more is we were saying t- we eliminated the top 14 teams to make the playoffs by their odds and say we're drafting playoff teams now in the middle group, but then we were drafting the bad teams to be in the top three of the draft, and you could pick one or the other. Over, and you got points if they made the playoffs. Under, you got points if they were the bottom three team. I think the Rams are the one that could be either one. In hindsight – I wish we would have passed on the Rams because we well, had the option we, to pass. But we also agreed that they were going to be one of our net neutral teams. Yes. That they weren't going to be in either. Yeah. And we'll see. I, I do, you know, that's interesting. It was a safety play. Yeah. But you could have passed. We could have passed. Would have, would have been the safe play. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next event Washington cuts Carson Wentz. Now, this rolls into signing Brissett from the Browns, who played better, played pretty well last year. In that run-based offense, though, and then they have a second-year quarterback. Is it Sam, Sam Howell? Howell. Yep. Where's he from? North Carolina. Okay. Huh. And what was your thoughts on Sam Howell coming in? The what was he a fifth rounder? Uh, yep. Was he fifth round? I was middle middle round guy. But the year before, he was projected to be a top ten pick, like the Rattler. <laughs> yes, and then things didn't go his way. Who's, who's the rattler? Uh, Spencer Rattler. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, things didn't go his way, and but Sam Howell's. I, I don't think he's a a starting NFL quarterback, but so, they so, they thought that the the upside of him was enough to to take the chance. Now, do you when you have an opinion on like a quarterback, how much do you weight that? Is is that weight greater than zero? Yes. 
So you think I know you're thinking I've couch scouted this guy and I think I know how he's going to play in the NFL. Like how I don't think they I don't think these guys that spend their lives on it really know all that much. Right. How did Tom Brady go to one ninety nine? How did Brock Purdy go even further than that? It does seem like it's my opinion in general, just saying we don't have an opinion it would be better. I think most people probably lose it's a net negative, whatever they think they know. Now, again, you're a college football expert, but I don't think that translates to knowing like how, you know, the NFL, uh, when it comes to what kind of talent, you know, what kind of uh, characteristics it takes. But I mean, what do you, I mean, you must think, it, I mean, when you watch, you watch college guys play and you can tell if they've got NFL level arm strength or athleticism, those are things you can see. And you- I think you can see the ones that don't even get drafted or don't even get to you know be a free uh, free agent but amongst the first round picks let's say of the last 5 years if you just put all the first round picks on the table would do you think your opinion is like oh no no way is uh, Josh Rosen going to do anything his arm strength not, i mean like obviously professional like Josh Rosen could have been the number 1 pick that year yeah. they said he was the most NFL ready ironically mm-hmm. Do you think your opinion on those kind of situations uh, I mean, I, I, are net positive? I, uh, I think generally I have an idea. I mean, I, I'm, I'm wrong as often as anybody else, but I, I'm often right. Like, so, so if you're as right and wrong as everyone else, then what value does I'm, that I'm bring? More, I'm as right or wrong as anyone who works in sports media. Mm-hmm. So, so which says you're even right less than the scouts themselves. Sure. So Otherwise, I'd be a scout. Well, I mean, maybe. But I don't, sports I mean, media, by what it is, is it like. But but you're not in sports media here as much as you're you're handicapped. Sure. And, but I can't help that that's what I've done. My yeah own. yeah, and that's why I'm questioning it. You know, to me, that's something I I think I really knocked out of Fez was he had a lot of opinions about drafts. And I'm like, do we know? And it took about three years, but like, you don't hear much of that from him anymore, which I think is liberating for me, for him, for anyone that can say, I don't know. I mean, as a fan, I might have an opinion. Like, I like the Steelers draft. I like they got a left tackle. I like that they got the 30-second. They fleeced the Bears. I, You know, uh, uh, for Claypool, I like it. I'm not going to bet the Steelers because of it. I, I, In fact, I almost feel schizophrenic where the Steeler fan is different than the guy mm-hmm. that's going to mm-hmm. make the bets. I have a different hat. The... I almost said the Redskins. The Commanders, I hate that name. The Commanders must think a lot of how because, let's be honest, they're making a choice to do this. How, what was, how what was the alternative? Think? Carson Wentz again? Well, the alternative was any – they could have went for um, any of the free agent quarterbacks, including Jimmy G. They could have, they could have went for Carr – Right, they could, you know. I think they signed one of the best, you know, backup. I mean, J- Jacoby was, mm-hmm. you know, him and Teddy last year were the probably the two featured backups, and obviously Teddy's unsigned right now. They could sign Teddy. I mean, could it be that a team in an owner- ownership strife didn't want to pay a franchise quarterback fee? And you're making a, a, a very franchise quarterback fee. What's that? Or like pay a a, a franchise quarterback uh, premium? Yeah, I yeah, should yeah. Say. spend the money on on, yeah. a good ba- on a good almost starter. Okay, uh, yeah. Um, I think you're bringing up one of the true important points of all this discussion, which is going to be when are the teams making decisions free of external influences that are not about quality of play on the field? 
And when that happens, you got to throw out all the logic of why they're doing it. They're doing it for reasons other than the field, right? So, it that I would love to know that answer because to me, if the answer no, it's not that, then I'm really pro Washington at their, you know, because this is a team, and it's important to realize, and we said it earlier, like way at the beginning of the whole episode here is Washington is the third biggest drop in win totals of any team in the NFL, the third biggest drop. So in general, that's quarterback play, right? I mean, what else could it be? I mean, it's the, not like they've lost key. I mean, they could, could be the sale. Could just be a turnover in the franchise. No, if anything, bringing in someone other than Gil or not Gilbert, but um, Snyder. Snyder. Snyder, I'm thinking of Cleveland. The, mm-hmm. anyway, All these Dans. Yeah, but, but Snyder – is considered to be like I don't know. I've never seen a pro uh, a country celebrate since the Clippers lost. Uh, was it Sterling? Donald right? Sterling. Yeah. yeah, that was a celebration. This is, feels the same. But when did command and control shift, or has Not it yet. shifted? Nope. They're voting okay. on it next week. All right, and then if it, Snyder was like banned from participating for was it the whole calendar year? So who knows who's making these decisions? Rivera. Figures it. I mean, let's be honest. I would make a major bet he's not back next year. I agree. So maybe this is the case of whatever the influence is that's leading to uh, Howell being the starter. I don't think they believe in Howell. I think they have to see what they have in Howell or else they're drafting a quarterback next year because they could have drafted him much earlier than the fifth round, but they didn't. They took him when they took him. Yeah, but but Lamar got taken later than the Baltimore could have taken him. It doesn't mean that it wasn't an important pick, right? Yeah, they also traded back up into the first round to take him. That's Yeah, but in general, when you take a tight end – in, yeah. in the 20s, you're saying that quarterback we're not sure of. Because mm-hmm. if you're sure of him, right? So, I'm, and again, but waiting until the fifth round when you could have gotten the guy in the third round. Well, you could have got the guy in the first round. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. That logic doesn't resonate with me. I think they. it's always a balance of where do you think someone's going to go? Where, where does he offer value? You know, you're right. Where would Tom Brady be taken if he knew what you know now? First pick overall. Mm hmm. But would you think to yourself, maybe we'll get him in the second round because no one else thinks? No, that's an interesting question. You came back from visiting the future in the in the um, DeLorean. Weather's great. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, I hear weather's getting worse. Oh, uh, they've solved that. <laughs> okay, perfect. So, so I can I can finally get my aerosol deodorant back. That was yeah. a good line. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've good. solved that. <laughs> so, that was good. Yeah, that's what a laugh is for. Yeah. They, like you, <laughs> AJ says, "Look at me. I'm going to say I like that line." <laughs> well, I, mean, it was, I appreciate that line. That was good. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> In the aerosol line, not good? Uh, not as good. It was no, good. It's just not as good. No mention that. Okay. <laughs> Somehow, though, you come back to, what was it, 99 or the 2000 draft? And Brady, now you are with the Patriots. And, and you got command and control. Belichick is b- beneath you at this point. When do you take, what round do you take Brady in? Because here's the battle. It's a new draft, so it's not for sure he's going to go to 199. Everything, you know, no one knows what you know. No one knows what I it's know. A, it's a yeah. new event. So the theory is every round you take him before the six, you're, you're giving up more equity than you could. But do you want to risk for a fourth versus fifth round difference, Brady? So where do you take him? Third round. Okay, so you're rolling the dice. Yeah. I think the most I would go is the second. I don't think anyone's taking him in the second. 
or in the first, but I'm not risking it after that because the difference between second round, but third would be my second choice. Now, yeah. mind you, the Patriots didn't have a first round pick that year. That's so ruining this, the question. The uh, second round was there. That would have been their first choice, is okay. what I'm saying. So, what would you, so what if would I you knew do? nobody else knew what yeah. I know, huh? I I would take him in the sixth bridge. round. <laughs> well, that that I don't like. I would all. take him right where they took him because. Because remember, though, the event isn't going to be identical. It's as if we had a simulation and everyone's the same person. But you know what? Maybe they farted 10 minutes before and their stomach feels a little different and they decide to go with Brady in the fifth round. Fourth round. <laughs> I'd go third round and I also, uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I'd make sure that that guy Bledsoe was, was, was gone in about a year or so. <laughs> right. Trade him while he's Maybe I trade him in the preseason. Exactly. I wouldn't wait for the injury. Exactly. That's a good point. They still got a lot. Again, Belichick, though, traded him in division. Big balls play. I mean, that was. Yeah, because he said this guy's never going to be the same after Mo Lewis. I mean, if you think about it, all everyone's so scared of having it be in the same, you know, same division. Yeah. You know what Belichick says? You uh, bet the hard eight for a thousand and you pressed it for two. Did I hit it? Nah, you didn't hit it. But it was a big balls bet. <laughs> hard eight, good movie. First movie from Paul Thomas Anderson. I didn't know that. Yep. Okay, who did um, Boogie Nights and then the best movie of the century, in my opinion, There Will Be Blood. It's a great movie. Great movie. All right, moving on. So, Washington. We don't know why they're doing what they're doing. We know the market doesn't like it. But you kind of like it. You kind of like Washington. I like it if I know why they did it. I think you've done a good job of making that a question. I don't know if I know. But if you, as Socrates said, paraphrasing, if you know what you don't know, you know a lot. That's good. He was a smart guy. That's what I heard, though it's uncertain if he actually existed. Atlanta cut. I've got to be funny now. He was so funny. That was Atlanta funny. Atlanta cuts Mariota, or some call him Mariota. This was on February 28th. Similar to Washington, it means that they were turning it over to a new regime. They're turning it over to Desmond Ritter. Picked higher, right? Had more games. I hear people watch the tape say they weren't all that impressed from what they saw on tape. This is a team, though, this is the third year with a new coaching staff. I think it's a guy from Tennessee. What's Arthur it? Smith. Yes, yep. yeah. You know, he I, he confuses me with the guy that owns the Falcons. Arthur That's Blank. Arthur Blank. Yeah, yeah, it's all confusing because I don't care, really. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I guess if I'm on air, I should care a little <laughs> bit. Get the You know, the NFL has, like, you probably know this because you were always on the you know, like the back room. I mean, you did obviously uh, broadcasting, Scott, but you were back room a lot too, or, or producer slash research slash whatever. And again, in local radio these days, New York may be an exception. The host is doing all that most of the time these <laughs> days, right? Is um, they have like one 360 page book they put out in digital PDF form, the NFL, like before the season. The NFL but, Black Book. And then they have, like, a big 200-page book they put out before the playoffs. It's like they put out – like, I was at four years Fox National day daytime host. I didn't have any idea of these, but I just found it on the internet doing, like, bad, weird searches in different domains to try to find what's out there. And it's like they have these massive repositories of this stuff. Every PR department, the heads, the phone numbers, everything. So, you, yeah. Email addresses, sure. And they have long page-after-page narratives on mm -hmm. these players. You think Fox would have said something? 
You could have told me those donuts were free. <laughs> see, see? <laughs> Pretty good. But still, wasn't as good. It, the deadpan. Oh, no, they solved that. I liked it. It was. It's fun. Except did he go? Did he go back in time or did he go forward in time? He went forward. I came thing. back from. He went to the future. Yeah, he came back from the future. Okay. If we were in 1999. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I hear Florida is going to be a tight. <laughs> All right. Um, you know they sell replicas of the almanac. Like you can get the actual. Like they produced a full like almanac. For Back to the Future. Gray's small sports almanac? Yeah, but it's not just the cover or whatever. They did the whole they did the whole book? pages. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just because they figured people would want to buy it. You know the plaza is Biff's, right? The plaza? What now? The plaza downtown? Oh, Biff's. no, I didn't know that. It's Biff's. Oh, wow. Yeah. What are you saying? It Was Biff's in, in Vegas? No, but they used the exterior of the oh, plaza uh, for oh, Biff's. Oh. So it wasn't that the, the real world followed art. It was art following the real world. I thought you were saying they said, oh, look at Biff's. We're going to replicate that. No. You're saying was, the physical structure. They used the plaza but as they the lied. exterior they of They lied Biff's. and said it's Biff's. Yes. Biff's Pleasure Palace. Is that what it was? So Atlanta's a team. <laughs> whenever After last week, whenever you guys talk anything sexual, is we're just turning <laughs> off your mics. We, we, I mean, we want a, few, a crude joke or two, but that's it. <laughs> Atlanta's curious because if you look at their season wins, they've been one of the most upward trajectory teams. So as of the open in March, seven and a half, and now they're 8.7 wins. That's 1.2 games. That's the second fastest riser behind the Ravens, who had an artificial, you know, Lamar uncertainty. Artificial is in its not typical offseason uncertainty. Yeah. And thus them moving up once they s- solved it. Uh, was was a given. They were right? unnecessarily depressed. Exactly. Well, not yeah. They were un uh, untypically or unnaturally. Yeah. Okay. So you got the Falcons, who uh, the opposite, saying we're getting rid of the uh, the second quarterback picked in the draft not that long ago, and going with a late rounder that didn't really shine last year. And everyone said we're betting them more than any other team. Which, which is funny because. Mariota wasn't bad last year, especially when he was running. He was willing to run, more, you know, a lot, and it was good. Like or it, decent. The, the thought was, oh, Mariota's not playing well. M- Mariota was 13th in the league in QBR, ahead of Derek Carr, ahead of Trevor Lawrence, who everyone was raving about last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota was fu- because Marcus Mariota had played in Arthur Smith's offense before. He understood it. It, it, it went well for him generally. To think that suddenly having him gone makes them better is the part that I'm having a disconnect with because I, again, I. There's other moving pieces. The thing I don't understand why not have him be the who's the backup in Atlanta? Taylor Heineke. Taylor yeah. Heineke now. Uh, so Heineke's better, but or, but Heineke hasn't been in Arthur Smith's offense before. Why not keep the guy who knows the offense? Because he's not going to be playing. Like he had, he'll have the first part of the season to learn. No. I agree with you. Maybe, but Mariota apparently. So he's in this quarterback thing, right? That's the, uh, the Netflix show. So yeah. how how's he coming off there? I, I've watched four episodes, and it comes off like he comes off fine. Like he's not like a, uh, a like he, he. I wouldn't call him a negative character. I, just, I heard people say you see him struggle. I heard people say that he people after watching it, people want to root for. It seems, it seems like the players in the league really root for him. He's a likable guy. Very nice guy. Is that how you saw it? Yeah, I'm only through. I'm, I'm halfway through the second episode, so right. I haven't gotten to his so part of the second week, episode yet. So next week, we're going to give Fez some homework, yeah. and we can all talk about this. Because I, I want to see, 
Because I heard you you guys were crushing Mahomes earlier. Mahomes comes off as a little bit uh, brash. Mm-hmm. I think there's I think we what we talked about before the sh- the recording, the kids love him. But I feel like there's a generation of people that are going to watch this and they're going to be like, like the Beatles. Mahomes is a bat flipper. Is a way to Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So he's a guy who hits the home run and no, stares at it and then flips his bat and starts walking real I, slow. No, we understood what you meant. See, when something doesn't hit, see, oh, well, it wasn't it wasn't a joke. That's what he is. No, like, you were trying to be funny though. No, when you I was said trying he's to expl- a bat flipper. No, I was trying to explain like why the kids like him. Like okay. he's a he, flips his he plays a young man's game. Like he's the trash talk. He's like a uh, so here's here's the way I'm going to put it into perspective. Mahomes is like the Beatles, and this table is like what, what was that guy's name that had the show? The Beatles? Ed Sullivan. Show. Yeah, Ed Sullivan. You were like you're like Ed Sullivan, AJ, and the kids are like the Beatles. You know, the kids like the Beatles. You like Ed Sullivan. Maybe so. Well, that'd be the analogy, right? The kids like one thing. I mean, the '60s. Uh, I get. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not against Mahomes. It's just. But you were making fun of his voice earlier. Uh, was it me? Oh wait, that was me. That oh was okay. <laughs> RJ, telling a lie isn't a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a joke if it. Actually, I'll teach you a little something here. It's funny if someone says it like they're innocent when they're the ones that's guilty. Oh, okay. Because then it becomes self-deprecating. Got it. You follow? Yep. That was you were laughing a lot just now too. But, <laughs> all right. Next event: Carolina trades for the number one pick. Now I got to give AJ credit. He got me rethinking this. My first thought was that's a plus for Carolina. Not because I particularly like the quarterback, because I don't have draft opinions, but that matter. But it's because usually when you make a big trade like that, you're trading future currency for results now, and that's usually a, pr- a plus thing, right? Because they all have finite resources. But if you trade for something that you can pay later, like the hamburger and Wimpy, well, you got more now. But AJ, you made a great point. Which was part of this trade? DJ Moore, who was arguably the best, like after Christian McCaffrey left, was the best player on Carolina's offense. So certainly their best receiver. That was part of the package. So now you add in there were picks this year they had to throw in. Obviously the swap of the number ones. Yeah, there is a lot to pay in the future. But most rookie quarterbacks, even the good ones, eventually aren't that good. So for this season, you add in a rookie quarterback that's going to have his natural growing pains. Especially this guy hasn't really grown all the way. What no? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you add in that you took away one of his receivers. I think this was a net neutral for this year, though typically a trade like this net positive for this year. Who knows for the long term, though? Yeah, and I, I don't even know if it's a net neutral, but it's only a net neutral if Bryce Young plays better than the guys but who we were there last year. But we don't have opinions on that. We don't know. Yeah, uh, no. Bryce Young or Sam Darnold? No, you have I mean, an opinion on that. I'll tell you this. You said a guy at Sunset Park. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. You, who was the guy that, that threw the long pass, that had the arm, that had a couple good games for Carol- – P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker, Texas Walker, Texas Ranger. Ranger yep. He – you. I, I'll tell you this. That's an interesting bet. We take the team's QBR or the team's uh, EPA efficiency passing or any stat we want that's good – Last year versus the rookie quarterback this year, only him. Are you anxious to bet the rookie quarterback? 
Yeah. Hmm. I'll tell you next week if I went to bat. Okay. I'm going to research. I, I mean, if I had a bat right now, I certainly would take last year. What do we think P.J. Walker's QBR was last no, no, year? No, no, I'm just saying the whole team, and there was no QBR because oh. he didn't play enough games. Because remember, there's a, a, a real limit, or there's a real minimum with QBR. He played in six games. I don't think he's going to be there. 23.5 QBR. His QBR was there? Yeah, he's a, every quarterback's going to have a raw QBR. Yeah. Your total oh. QBR is what you need to qualify for. Okay, and total QBR usually it goes up over raw, right? Let's take a look. Because otherwise, we don't want to compare. Yeah, yeah. So it's really a apples to oranges comparison. That's fair. But if I, I mean, if we went game by game, I don't want to do that because <laughs> you can't make a bet like that. But but again, let's just say this: maybe they were worse than even I remember, and that's it. But in general, a team that if we look, in fact, this will be a study we'll do. We'll look back at all the number one quarterbacks only, meaning the top pick in the draft, and we'll compare their rookie year to the prior year of the team. Oh, that's a good that's a good yeah, study. And we'll do it from 2012 on. So there won't be that many, but it won't so Mackenzie, you got that for tomorrow or for next week? Yes, sir. You got it. So it's gonna be 2012 on, number one picks on, or how's this sound? The number one quarterback in each draft. Okay. So that way, you know. Yeah. And how and I I'm, I'm gonna bet the the prior years better. Wow, that would shock me. Now again, Baker may you know, as I'm thinking about some of the years, Baker had a good first year. He had a real good first year. but um, Well, the exceptions to the rules were because there was always, like, you know, the quarterback sat for a while before they played. But not since 2005. No, yeah, same. But then it was, you know, uh, like the Cam Newtons of the world had, you know, really good first years. RG3, monster rookie year. Andrew Luck, monster, you know, big rookie years. Yeah, but uh, RG3 wouldn't be in the category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, You just reminded me of something, though, is when I was reading – when I was reading through that site that we were talking about, the the older site is uh, Burke's old site, is they had an article up that said, we believe Cam Newton had the best first two years of any quarterback in NFL history. I don't remember that being that good. But like it was a advanced analytics argument that the best first two years in the history of the NFL was Cam Newton. Now that tells you, you know, it's not that's not what I think of when I think of Cam Newton, but year one he passed for four thousand and fifty one yards. That's the most he's passed in his career. Yeah, and I it mean, was his rookie year. What was his pa- uh, passer rating? I guess there was QBR back then too. Well, his rating was eighty four point five. QBR fifty six point six. Not as high as QBR. He had much high, he had higher QBRs. Yeah. So Panthers Super Bowl odds. If we look at the entire move here, they opened at sixty three to one. Now they're eighty to one. So I'd make the case that the, the moves we're talking have been the major ones, and they're saying for this year, a slight downgrade. Or more than a slight, a moderate downgrade. Okay. now that, ha- that stat would have to be for guys who played their rookie year, right? Played their first year in the league? Yes. Okay. So I would just say, like Patrick Mahomes. Who but, did- but he wasn't the first pick in the Giants. So talking about the first I, quarterback. I thought you said of it, like the best statistical first two seasons of any quarterback. Oh, oh. But remember, back to the DeLorean, this was written contemporaneous to his first two years. So it would have been before Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I thought you meant someone recently did it. Oh, you would said it was on that site that was old. Never mind. Apologies. <laughs> All right. Um no, no, I, I, you know, I, I can understand. And again, I didn't even say it so clearly either. But I understood you clearly. Yeah. Well, you were listening. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing: AJ used to on the national show, he would be typing stuff and never looking and never say anything. 
So at least now when he's looking, I, tell, he's, yeah, he's I show looking, you what I'm looking he's for. He's looking something up and giving us a number. I can deal with that. It's when you're when it looks at you. now. I don't want to name any names, but my first year ever doing radio was at ESPN here in Vegas, and we had a five day a week show, and I was doing it once a week because I just wanted to get the the reps. And there was a guy that was a producer, but he wasn't a producer. He was just there to open the door. You know, he would sit and serve porn the entire show because initially the show was on at 11 p.m. Like I wanted to end the day, right? And it was easier to get. And then we ended up going to 11 a.m. after. But at 11 p.m. he'd show up and I would do Sunday night because it was the Monday show. effectively. Mm -hmm. And and I wanted to do a recap of the NFL, you know. He was just watching out, or it was a one-hour show, but he probably looked at 600 or 700 nude pictures. Jeez. Wow. And just would be flipping through them the whole show. And his screen was visible to me. <laughs> <laughs> Local radio. I got a lot. Lordy B. All right. Next up. So we're now in 2023, AJ. Okay, got I'll it. tell you if we're shit. Back, if we're going to, the, back, back to the time. future. If we're, if we're going back in time, what I'll do is do this. I'm having a rough show. I'm sorry. Oh, wait, no. What I'll do is this. If you ask me right no, now. No, no. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is great, though, actually. If you ask me right now to give you the names of my eight wives, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know who that is? Fred Fowler. <laughs> I think it was just four. That's rude. Your, Sorry. your former partner. It was four wives, right? Uh, it's five now. <laughs> the um, <laughs> It was the guy who taught Agassi in, in Florida that also taught, like, Capriotti, the tennis coach. Connors? No. <laughs> no, the guy that ran the academy. Oh. Uh, but he was pretty uh, famous. But no, actually, what I meant to do was this. <laughs> That's us going back in time. Gotcha. But we didn't do that. I know. We're I, now at present time. No, actually, let's go back. Hold on. <laughs> we're 90 minutes earlier. We're, we're going to let you do the show over. <laughs> See, that's funny. Yep. You following? I don't know if all my jokes are going to equal that one, but I'm going to try now. All right. Next up. Darren Waller. Traded from the Raiders to the Giants. They gave up the third-round pick there. I think this is almost a net neutral, as in I'm not sure it moves the needle that much. You give me the third pick or third-round pick or Waller with all the uncertainty about mm -hmm. his health, I'm not sure. Um, who, who, was the, uh, who did they pick with that pick? They picked a wide receiver out of Cincinnati, Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker. I was just at your fingertips. Yeah, yep, I knew – I. Right on the tip of my tongue, I had it. You're you're you follow the Giants, but you're more of a Jets fan, right? Mm -hmm. Do you like that trade? Yeah, the Giants' top tight end weapon is Daniel Bellinger. So getting a, a legit was he was he the principal? No, that's in um, Saved by the Bell. No, that's Belding. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Darren Waller is is a legit receiving option when healthy. When healthy. You when, can, when's that? Yeah. Well, you can make the argument he's should be the number one receiving target on the Giants if he's healthy. You can make the the argument. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. But here's the thing: Do the Giants really like what kind of timetable are they on? Right. It doesn't seem like Waller could possibly be contributing when they're competing for like late playoff runs. Right. Last year was an aberration. I mean, listen, give him credit. A lot of credit. 
what's their win to? I mean, really, what have the Giants lost from last year? What's been their big losses, player wise? Not many, right? No. All right. So they won how many games last year? Giants were an eight win team last year. They weren't eight and nine. They were eight, eight and one, weren't they? Oh. Nine, seven, and one. Yeah. 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 I knew they had a tie. Okay. But they, yeah, nine, yeah. seven, and one. I knew they had they a tie, tied, too, tied, and I was thinking about Washington. like, yeah. They tied Washington. Is uh, like as five point underdogs in that game. I still remember that game. The Giants right now are have a seven and a half win total. They won nine games last year, mm-hmm. and a, and then let's be honest, a tie should be a ha- should be a half a win. So I mean, effectively, effectively, they've won nine and a half games last year, and now they're supposed to win two less games, and they haven't lost anyone. If you want any proof that the market believes last year was a fluke, yeah. that's it. So when's Waller going to come into his – or Waller's going to be out of the league by the time in two or three years, most likely. So this is a weird – like, why trade youth for that? I don't know. But for this year, you could say, well, it's better this year, except it's a 50-50 chance he hardly plays. No, yeah, but you made a commitment to a quarterback, and now you want to make sure that quarterback's in a position to succeed. Would it, like a good third-round wide receiver potentially be – I mean, I'm saying I think it's debatable. Mm-hmm. If they somehow have inside info, if they think Waller was about being disgruntled with the organization and he could have played, then you're bringing in a, a player that, of questionable character. But, okay, I don't know. If they get tw- if they get 2019-2020 Darren Waller, the Giants got a steal. I agree. And if they get last year's, they got fleeced. Yes. That's the uncertainty. And thus, I think it can't move the needle too much. No. And I agree with that. Um, Nor do I think it moves the needle for the Raiders getting rid of him. I agree. I agree. Um, next up, Cleveland cuts Clowney. But Cleveland brought in a ton, a ton of uh, new defenders. By all accounts, better defense. I mean, net net a better defense. Browns are starting to – you're starting to hear some rumblings about how they're going to be a good team. And if we look at it, the Browns have been upgraded a slight two-tenths of a game. So they're saying defense is better. I think Clowney, the big name, but in general, upgrade from the Browns on defense. Yeah, the fact that Jadavian Clowney's still out there and available means, to, to me anyway, that he's not like, – the market's certainly not making a, making this a big deal. So the, these guys who are still free agents this late in the game probably aren't needle movers. Yeah, I think, I think at a certain point if you have enough money, you're, you're not afraid to roll the dice a little bit. I think Clowney is – I mean, right now he's one of the top free agents available, right? So, here's the question. Where's Clowney at in the free agent list of defenders that started free agency? He's still probably a top seven or eight guy, yeah. right? Yes. So, you know, I think you're right. It might be a sign, AJ, of market coolness. Because obviously, if he got the number he wanted, he would have signed. But I think in general, Clowney's good. He's not great. He's usually expensive. Yeah, but I think at this point in his career, he's picking his team. It's not about just the. Oh, it's Brown, yeah. Yeah, it's not Maybe about. For, but, uh, but wouldn't the Browns be a team you'd want to pick? I mean, Maybe he wants Super Bowl, to. I mean, I think you, you're saying he's he's going to play for a good team, or is it he wants to play in a comfortable environment? He wants to play in a comfortable environment. Yeah, because Clowney doesn't seem like a grinder. No. <laughs> no. Well, did you have any dealings with him when you? I mean, I didn't have pass? any negative dealings with him, but I mean, he's not a guy who uh, loves pre- like that. It became a trend with the Texans, guys who didn't want to practice. DeAndre Hopkins being the guy who eventually just said, I don't practice. 
Here's the question. With the renaissance of O'Brien, the GM, coming soon, considering the contract... Now, here's the thing to remember. Hopkins demanded a new contract when he got traded to the Cardinals. He got one. It was exorbitant where he was making like $28 million when the, like the next highest receiver was making like 18 And considering how he's played the PD suspensions, et cetera, was that even with getting a running back back, regardless, was that a good trade from GM O'Brien? You think yes? Yes. Uh-huh. The, the world up is down, down is up. Uh, no, because they took you, you forget they took on David Johnson's terrible contract too. Okay, but that was like a one year deal. Yeah. Right. But they didn't have to trade. What was DeAndre Hopkins' choice? He was locked into a deal. Well, but, well listen. This isn't the NBA, like you said earlier in the show. Like you could yeah, sit out, guy, but if a guy's disgruntled, especially receivers, receivers can really. Let's be honest. Team chemistry matters. There's not many teams winning it that got guys disgruntled, like at least outwardly. Right, and he had the team's support. Yeah. Right. So you got to get rid of the guy. You know. I mean, I, listen. All I'm saying is, isn't it interesting? Whenever you think you know it all, <laughs> you don't. Because let's be honest. I watch the Oscars usually on, you know, TiVo, so I can run or DVR. I can run through it. I didn't even do that this year. But remember when? Um, the movie, the, what's it been now, six or seven years ago, they announced the best picture yeah, yeah, was, yeah. and the music swelled. All the producers walked up. They're shaking hands. If I would have paused the TV live at that point mm-hmm. and said, how much you want to bet they didn't win? <laughs> I mean, what odds would you have given me? Anything you could have named. Yeah, you would have given yeah. me 100000 to one. Yeah. If I said, I'll bet you $100 if you give me 100000 yep. to one. It's like th- that happened. So whenever people, that's an impossibility. It's like if that happened, that seems to be one of the least possible things. The idea that the Oscars literally is going <laughs> to. Yeah, there's a mistake. Uh, you guys won Best Picture, not La La Land. I mean, Land. it's one that's thing right. for there to be a mistake. He misspeaks it. It's like the music play, it was like five minutes. And then they had to say, Poor this Warren is, Beatty. This is not a joke. Like, they had to say that. Was it Warren Beatty that did it? It was, okay. yeah. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel was the host. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um. Imagine if you had a big bet on that, which a lot of people did. The uh, I was I watch old Letterman um, series of interviews. Like one guy interviewed like um, ten times over fifteen years or whatever. Boy, aging is tough on people. Mm. You know? <laughs> I hope I hope somehow I avoid no. But the um, uh, there was a guy who ended up playing. Uh, he was a famous actor back in the day, but I, it was before my time. And I just wasn't up on him. And uh, what did he play? He used to be one of the most known alcoholics. He used to just raise hell. I haven't been asked back. This is the first time I've been asked back in the Golden Globe to present, like for, I think, over 10 years. I was asked to present a couple, 10 years ago the, uh, the Best Actress mm-hmm. Award. Very prestigious. Very prestigious. Yeah. And I'm in the Beverly Hills Hotel, drunk as I was in those days, very drunk. And not, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you don't know what I'm missing. I haven't had a drink for 10 years and I'm dying. But no, no, no. Nothing, nothing to be proud of. No, 
you feel better, don't you? Yeah, I do. I you feel, you feel so much good. better. I yeah. do. Yeah. But I had to present this award, and I'm in the bar, and John Cassavetes is there, and he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm presenting this award. He said, oh, he said, Gina Rollins. He was married to Gina. He said, yeah. oh, Gina uh, is up for that award. God, he said, I hope she wins it. I love her. She's a great actress. I said, you wanted to win it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, she's won it. What do you mean? I said, I'll just take out the envelope, I'll open it up and say Gina Davis, and, uh, Gina Rollins, and put it in my pocket, and that's the end of it. She'd come up, he said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. What? I said, do you want me to do it? He said, he was drunk, too. So he said, yeah. Yeah, he it, said, it yeah. sounded okay to you yeah. guys. Yeah, he, he said, yeah, do it. So I went to bed, barely, and he went to bed, barely, and the next morning we woke up, and suddenly I met him, and he said, wait a minute, did we, what did we say last night? I said, Gina's going to win the award. He said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, look, he said, don't do it. I said, don't worry about it. She's going to win the award. He said, that you're fuss. Well, they won't know till it's over. Yeah. The next day, it'll be, ex it'll be exposed. I made a mistake or couldn't read or I'm dyslectic or something. I read the wrong name. Don't worry. I said, don't worry about it. Now it comes, and he's sitting at the front table with her. And I come out, my name, I take out the envelope, and I said, and the winner is, and I'm looking at him, and he's sitting there going, look. <laughs> I said, and the winner is Gina Rollins. She wouldn't move. <laughs> she didn't want to get up or not, and he wouldn't get up either. And I said, come on, come on. So they get up, and she doesn't want to accept the speech. Her acceptance speech is being ruined. Everything is being ruined. And I put it in my pocket. I said, well done. And so now we're walking off afterwards, and he said, who won it? I said, Faye Dunaway won it. <laughs> I said, Faye Dunaway wanted for network, but don't worry about it. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How am I going to tell Gene? I said, don't worry about it. Well, anyway, I know he was so upset that that night I got this huge, big, big thing of, of flowers and champagne, and I took the card that the winner's name was on the envelope, and I put it inside, and I sent it up to his room yeah. about 4 in the morning, and he opened it, and, of course, was yeah. Gina That's Rollins. That's a great story. I mean, she actually won it. You should. You should. So good stuff and, you know, serendipity of a truly freewheeling podcast. We went from, hmm, you really can't know anything. And we went to <laughs> La La Land, to John Cassavetes. And John, John Harris was the guy's name, right? Yeah. Richard Harris. No, Richard. Richard yeah. Harris. Yeah. AJ says, yes, John. I, no. I, I just looked him up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Richard Harris. And... Richard Harris was in, shockingly, is what I was shocked, Unforgiven. He was uh, something British Bob. English Bob. English Bob. Wow. Wow. All right. We're going to finish up the, the, I guess there's what? One or two more here that happened before the win totals. And then we're going to go to the next episode and we'll finish you know, probably another 15 minutes or so. Hopefully, um, it'll be the things that happen once we had the win totals. That's how we're going to split it up. Next up, Dallas gets Stephon Gilmore from the Colts. For a fifth rounder. Fifth rounder. I think for Dallas, that it was a wonderful, wonderful transaction. They were thin. A cornerback, Gilmore doesn't have many years left, but he played pretty well last year. What do you guys think? Absolutely a plus. This guy, when he's on, is one of the top cornerbacks in the football. And with the weapons that they're going to go against on a week-in, week-out basis, absolutely. 
Well, and I think having Trayvon Diggs on the other side, like having a, a guy like well, he's a it, ball hawk. He's a he's a big interception guy. It, not not as great a cover guy. But right. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, uh, PFF type grades usually look down. The, back in the day, the only way to have a stat for a big play or defense was big plays, really, especially a D back. Now there's more advanced ways, but Diggs is. You know what's funny? His rookie year, there was a sense he was bad, but he just got. Now the belief is he's pretty good. He's just high overrated a little mm-hmm. bit, I think. But I think having Stephon Gilmore not necessarily have to be the the guy, which is what he's had to be most of his career. You need three good corners. You yeah. need a good nickel corner. No doubt, Gilmore is an upgrade. Dallas overall, if you look at all the transactions, uh, up. Four tenths of a game, so they were like the sixth biggest upgraded team, even with just four tenths of a game up. Colts, now this is a big combo deal. Colts cut Matt Ryan, and they draft or they cut Nick Foles, and they draft Anthony Richardson. You would think it, the real question is if you said, okay, keep Matt Ryan, which you already owned, you had. Use the f- number four pick for something else, not a quarterback. Still cut foals. Would the Colts be better this year? My thought is probably yeah, but long term this is the better deal. But I also think there's a lot of optimism that th- an immature quarterback that doesn't have a ton of experience, but that that floor, that floor is high. As low as you can go ain't so low if you can run as well as Richardson. That's what some people believe. Especially in what is essentially going to be the Eagles system. Mm-hmm. Because Steichen going over there being the new coach. So you don't run that offense with Matt Ryan. You run it with Anthony Richardson. And we probably should have thrown on the list, you guys, we should have thrown in the Eagles losing both coordinators. Mm. Right? Oh, that's a good point. That ha- but, um, again, you're not hearing much talk of that. I think on defense it's not going to be a problem. Offense it might be. Uh, and the optimism with the Colts is driven by the fact that Steichen had a lot to do with it, and he's already done it with a running – or two, you know. And Steichen was with uh, Herbsey, I think, with the Chargers um, his rookie year, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I guess one underperformer and that you – know, <laughs> Have you noticed, though, in the conversations, Herbsey's not in the yeah. group anymore? Yeah. Have you said, damn, RJ's right? No. You don't care? I don't think Herbert is in the A group. I think he's at the top of the B group, though. And that's good for some people. Let me ask you this. <laughs> Do you ever say, damn, RJ's right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he listens. <laughs> Mother, I- oh. Okay. So what do you got? You see, your thought, AJ, was, hey, Flor- he didn't play that well. Florida, who he, knows? I, he seems like a long-term project. He seems like a guy that's going to take him a couple years to really figure out playing quarterback well, in the NFL. I think to be better than average, yeah, but is he going to be the 25th best? Well, you know, Trevor Lawrence was horrible his, his first year. Could he be better than that just because he can run the ball? Justin Fields was pretty horrible his first year. Yeah, he had some big throws. The irony is the the cause for optimism was he had more big throws percentage-wise than you would expect. But now, you know, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting question. Chicago for sure. Um, Okay, moving on here. here. Last thing about the Colts. Maybe the owner's a genius. Maybe the owner knew, I'm sick of this quarterback situation. I want to get rid of Reich. I've had enough of him. So we bring my guy, Jeff Saturday, in, 
we know it's going to be a disaster. We'll get a high pick. I'll blame, you know, the, the owner who likes prescription medication, allegedly, or whatever. <laughs> he, got, he was having one of his episodes, and that gives him an excuse. Jeff Saturday, how could he win? Was he maybe sabotaging his team but keeping interest in it? That's certainly a theory. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be. If you really think about it, the Colts kept optimism. They made sure no matter who they hired, people were going to be happy about it. And they got the best quarterback potentially in the draft. That sounds like, in general, a pretty good plan. If it works out. No. To even get to this point is good, right? Don't be (laughs) results-oriented. Understood. And no, I'm just. It's like I called without inside stray. It's like, wow, well, you know. But I, I think it doesn't matter how it goes to the process. Indeed. Mm-hmm. But who, who knows? I actually think it was the case, because why else would he hire? He's never done anything that erratic before. Yeah. And think about it, the Colts were up on Minnesota. By what, like 31 or whatever? Yeah, it was like the greatest comeback in history. <laughs> and I wonder what their pick would have been if they had won that game. It obviously wouldn't have been fourth. So I don't know how many it would have dropped. So, yeah, a lot of serendipity. And, and let's be honest, Jeff Saturday giving that game up, probably not otherwise. Uh-huh. You guys are befuddled. I am a little befuddled. All right, next up, Brandon Cooks, Dallas. We talked about them. They made some sharp signings from the Texans down for the Texans, you know, that was probably their best receiver. It was certainly their best receiver. Although he didn't want to be there. Like you said, you don't want disgruntled guys. Uh, but, but yeah, the Texans now are stuck with an aged Robert Woods as their number one wide receiver option. And that was part of Dallas's general upward trend. Um, finally, for the pre-win total events, the NFL allows the tush push. People say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean they allowed? It was the case. It is the case. There was a real chance they were going to say no, 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 and make it prohibited, and that would have been a real negative. If you look at Philly's short yard success rate versus an average team or versus you would expect from them, big difference. And that difference on third and one, those fourth and one. And here's the thing people don't realize about these fourth downs. If you're willing to go for it on fourth and you're successful, short yardage, you're playbook opens up on third down mm-hmm. this whole idea of don't throw it before the sticks well if you know you're an automatic on fourth and one seven yards on a fourth and eight or third and eight is pretty damn good yeah that's a lot of philly success no, no doubt big deal i think big deal philly in general uh big upgrade they opened up at 10.9 now they're up to 11.5 so other than the ravens there was no team ahead of the Falcons that was up as much as the Eagles. So meaning amongst the good teams, it's easy to have a bad team that people think might be average. But to be a Super Bowl participant and still everyone like underrated to start the year, pretty strong when it comes to Philly's. Not even strong, it's like the sentiment mm-hmm. is really good with Philly because a lot of this is sentiment. The draft seems like it's drove a lot of it for Philly. I don't know how much you can look at the choices and say this year it's making a huge difference, especially how slowly they integrate guys on defense, typically, the Eagles. Unless you think the fact that they're just rebuilding the entire Georgia defense is it plug and play. In two or three years, but, but in two or three years, maybe, mm-hmm. 
you know, it wouldn't be plug and play. Maybe it means a ton. But last year's um, Georgia guy hardly played, right? I mean, well, the linebacker played, but the D lineman didn't, if I recall. But I guess what I'm hearing is the depth of the. I mean, I guess I know this. They rotate so deeply mm-hmm. that the no one player is making some, especially yeah. a rookie, is going to make a huge difference. It's it's a long term play, and that's what they're supposed to do. But it cer- certainly helps. Hey, Howie Rosen, sharpest GM, that kind of talk. There's no negative things being said about the Eagles this offseason. Like, no, it's all it's all positive sentiment, and that's usually overdone if it's all positive. So are you bearish on the no, Eagles? No. I, I think that they, whatever value there was, and I'm not sure there was any, got gobbled up. So remember, there's the corridor where the VIG is, is, is in the VIG range, and I think they probably were on the positive, slight positive side of the VIG range where if they got a little bit better, they would have made money for you. And now I think they're probably on the negative side of the, you know, I don't think betting against them makes sense, but maybe I'd bet against them before I bet on yeah. them. And remember, Fed. Well, Blue marbles, red marbles. Yeah, and Fez, the unders. Fez just had Philly <laughs> under as his last pick, or was one of his last picks. Yeah. All right, that's it for episode one. Episode two, we're going to pick up, and I could make a big deal about this. You know, I, I'm not even going to tease it. It's so good, I don't even want to, because then if you have to go to work or something right now, you might skip mm, it. That would suck. But, AJ, you can tease something. After this, we're going to go with, we're going to have your college football stuff. But before any of that, well, after the NFL stuff, in the next episode here, coming up now, it's it's already out. Right? You'll see it in your feed. We got a pick from a golf guy. From Will Doctor. Will, is his name Will Doctor? Will Doctor. Okay. He works for me? Yes. Okay. Will Doctor works for me. I mean, I've arrived. <laughs> but, but tell just in 20 seconds, tell how he's been running. Two weeks ago, hit a 55 to 1. And, and he only had two outright winners. No, he had one that week. He said that fifty-five to one. That's, that's the guy who's the winning. One. And he that's won. the one. One and, and then he won. last week at the Scottish Open, he had two outright winners. One was twenty-five to one. One was a hundred to one. Twenty-five the, at the turn on Sunday, the top two guys on the leaderboard, the twenty-five to one, one hundred to one. In the clubhouse, the one hundred to one was the leader. And then Rory Rory birdied the two toughest holes on the course and beat him by one stroke. (sighs) He's hot, though. I mean, let's be honest. You could have bet top five. You could have bet. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got a free pick for the British Open that will lead. I guess I am teasing it really well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It will, though. Talk to you there right now, no matter what you have to do. Tell your boss it's important. (laughs) 